0: Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk.
1: so we're going live uh i think we're going live if you're out there in the middle of youtube land and um anybody can tell me real quick let's try this real quick i'm going to try to refresh my browser and see if the sound comes through life is a yeah, glitch you're coming through on am i coming through you're coming through on youtube all right coming through yeah, you on got, youtube wow that's yeah, you just got, been oh, um, that's been wild all right, guys, sorry about that. So, uh, you know, nothing like uh, 15 minutes into the show. What time does that 2 o'clock show start today? Uh, <laughs> so welcome to episode 29 of uh, Glitch Talk, the nation's leading show where we deal with glitches in real time on the air. It's all glitches all the time, 24-7. Uh, so, yeah, this is Coco Talk episode, what are we, 29? I don't remember. Did I say 29? Yep, 29, yep. Uh, it's 29, episode 29, and this is the Tandy <laughs> Assembly Wrap-Up Show, Yeah and we're gonna try this again I'm gonna try to introduce Steve Batson Steve Batson how are you since you're our first time uh, 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 joiner to the show how are you Steve I'm doing good I just wanted to join and
2: have some of the fun with you guys
1: hey we're, we're it's it's uh, it's not a party without you so yeah good good to have you here um, so where do you hail from where, where are you currently residing Steve
2: I live in California near Sacramento
1: okay okay and and this is the interesting thing about um, you know our little retro uh, community you know I feel like I know you I've seen you posting on dozens of groups so obviously we've never met before and that's kind kind of the cool things about sometimes coming to these events is you get to meet people in person Um, how uh, when did you start in what we now call retro computing
2: that's where I actually got my starting computers I started with a Coco one the original one and then I hacked the heck out of that sucker the memory and all kinds of stuff and then I got out of it for a little while and then I decided to get back so I had sold my stuff so I had to buy new stuff and that was every uh-huh. two
1: right, right, right and um, what do you own now in your retro collection?
2: Well you can probably see some of it behind me you got, there's a Dragon right behind me and then there's a Coco 3 right next to that and MC-10 and I've got, <laughs> and I've got an original gray Coco that is boxed up right now in a couple of Coco twos. They all work. Yeah, they're they're is boxed a Commodore up. Commodore monitor too. Um, yeah, I got a Commodore monitor. that I... Yeah, some stuff too.
1: Is that the Ed Snyder upgrade to your uh, MC10 back there? That white little white board in the back?
2: Um, I that well the white no the MC10 well okay yeah that's that's the memory upgrade. Yeah. And then I've got his I've got his composite upgrade in there as well so I had to take I had to take the system apart and pull the desolder, okay, the,
1: okay. Stuff, put it in nice little collection what do you what do you do with all of these uh, retro machines right now
2: <laughs> right right now not a whole lot of anything I'm mostly just playing games and stuff yeah um, time has been pretty tight so I'm kind of sporadic in my activities of the Coco stuff but I do have plans to do more programming type stuff
1: Cool, cool. Well, it's nice to see him... On display, you know. That's I think sometimes that's the challenges when you have these toys is where do you where do you play with them, you know, where do you put them because they exactly. do seem to, they do seem to take up space sometimes. Very cool. Well, we're 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 glad to have you with us here for the first time. We've got a nice panel here. I'll go around the rest of the room. So Jay Cyril is here, who was also at um, at uh, Tandy Assembly. Paul Thayer is here. Um, Brett Gordon, also Tandy Assembly attendee, was here uh, and uh, exhibitor. And Grant Leete is here. John. Linville, one of the founders of Tandy Assembly. Uh, John T. Robbs is here. Uh, David Ladd, Lord of the Floppy and International Podcasting Interview Star is with us. Uh, Ron Delvaux is here, Huang uh mark overholzer is here richard lorbieski also uh attendee and exhibitor of tandy assembly and l curtis boyle is here all the way from the uk karen anscombe is here and we have myro also founder of tandy assembly and uh creative uh, content creator of the coco crew podcast we have the Madman himself simon jonasen from hailing from denmark right now and last but certainly not least from down under we have nick morentes good eye nick how are you Ease of use. Ease of use. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Windows no, 10 version
1: to today. N- no three greater words have ever been spoken. And in, in the live chat, we have with us. What? Who do we have with us? We have Nick uh, Marota is in here. Said life's a glitch. Retro Innovations is here. Um, uh, who else is in the live chat right now? Uh, okay, that's the, okay. Nick Marota. Hi, Nick. How are you? Retro Innovations is here. Six. Is here Karen also in the chat? Paco Otakte, one of David's uh, personalities that he's aware of, and um, yeah, okay, cool. Life's a glitch. Nick says retro innovation says yay. I'm assuming that means because uh, the sound's working. Richard Lorbieski says I'm back. All right, we're here. We're here. So um, the you know the main thing we want to talk about is Tandy Assembly. Tandy Assembly wrap up show. Uh, since we have a couple of the the founders and and, and coordinators, uh, uh, Myro and John Linville, uh, how would you guys guys summarize this past weekend
4: wow, <laughs> wow.
5: Big success fantastic
4: yeah great uh, and w- definitely a big success the attendance was way beyond my imagination um, i didn't hear very many complaints you know, they were all kind of the kind of things that you expect to hear just this and that sort of things and everyone seemed pretty happy like i said big attendance big excitement um, the bank looks pretty good. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. So definitely a success from from all angles, as far as I can tell. Okay, very good. And how
1: did um, the uh, the bomb threat sales go? Did you um, sell out or nearly sell out of all the new uh, Rick Adams game?
4: Yeah, I have a I have two or three cases, uh, packages left. Uh, one is spoken for. Okay. Um. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's good to walk away with one or two just in case. You
1: know, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Somebody
4: who wants one. Um, but pretty well, yeah.
1: Yeah, it definitely seemed to be uh, T.R. 80 heavy as far as the crowd, and that's not a bad thing. It's Tandy assembly, and we're all family here. But I, I, I felt like us coconuts were a slight minority uh, as far as what our favorite system was. But um, it, there was no feeling of contention or competition or no clickiness or anything like that. As far as the social chemistry, it was one big happy family. But you could tell by some of the speaking engagements, you know that. Uh, the the T-R-S eighty uh, speakers, especially your three big wigs, your heavy hitters. Those were those were those were packed houses. Um,
0: but yeah, it hey, was how neat. Many, how many spent hours uh, watching reruns? <laughs> the reruns of the live stream?
6: Yeah, I yeah. Mean, uh, yeah. It I've took quite it a while. To
0: actually, kind of catch up with everybody being there. Yeah, it was interesting definitely what was the what
1: was the total head count it was somewhere around 80 or so do you think 83 83 not bad not bad
5: and the the speakers were intentionally Z80 heavy because it was the 40th anniversary of the TRS80 yeah
1: oh yeah 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 no it was good they, i mean those um great three great you know or four great keynotes and everything all the presentations were good um but some really um you know, some industry leaders there. It was really it was really good stuff. Um, and, and a
3: few of them are also Coco. You know, we're involved with the Coco, too, like Scott and Lance and a few others. So, I mean, it, it was a nice general, mm-hmm. broad set of guests you guys had. And some really impressive stories that came out of that, too. It was really, really cool to
7: watch.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty pleased. I mean, um, you know, we we had a, kind of just a handful of the regular Cocoa Fest attendees. But we still had some other Cocoa people that I'd never met before. Um, like you said, the um, the tables may have leaned a little away from the cocoa, but there were plenty of cocoa tables there. Sure. Um, and uh, you know we did have the Tandy 1000 there along the back wall, and the, um fair number of the Z80 stuff was there. Um, I don't know. I was pretty happy with the mix, um, and uh, like I said. Um, I was kind of happy that we didn't see just all the all the Cocoa Fest people just come over. And, you know, we were the size we were, and yet we didn't take that mushroom Cocoa Fest. Right, right. So, so that's pretty exciting. So. And do you have a lot of commitment
3: from the uh, the 80 and Tandy side of people that they want to come back to the show next year?
5: Um, De- definitely, people people seemed like they would be coming back. They everybody was very enthused uh, all around. What no matter what they brought.
8: No, it's
4: good
1: to hear. Neil you know, Blanchard just joined us. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> Nutty guy. Um, definitely a, a lot of people expressed interest in having a, another event. Um, of course, there's always people with different ideas about, oh, we should have it in Kokomo, Indiana. Oh, oh, we should have it in uh, Arizona. Or, you know, we should yeah. have it here or there or whatever. I'm up for Pennsylvania. <laughs> Fairbanks,
3: Alaska <laughs> gets
4: my vote. There yeah, will go. <laughs> so... Um, I'd say we're not exactly locked down on where we're having it, but um, if you want us to move it, you probably better have some uh, uh, offering up some volunteering at least for the logistics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, it was a neat location. Um, uh, all in all, I think the you know the event was great. Um, the room was big. I was just I was just kind of looking at the floor plan, right? So I still kind of have. Uh, I'll just pull it up here real quick. This is. Um, so this is the map, right? And you can kind of see here from the exhibit floor, the uh <laughs> the floor was pretty full. I am not even sure how you guys are going to squeeze anybody in next year unless do they have bigger rooms or the, are the rooms able to be expanded?
5: Well, they do have additional rooms. Okay. Um, if it gets much bigger, we we may look at a different venue.
1: Yeah yeah but um, um yeah so the uh the floor plan worked out really good um uh i just think the whole thing was good the, all the presentations were good I, what am i doing here dude i don't know what i'm doing i'm trying to move windows around i'm not succeeding here with skype uh we've, we're reaching critical mass george phillips has just joined us too who did the trisvid um presentation hey george thanks for joining us Very nice. hello and um yeah no so it was it was definitely a great event and since george this is your first time being on coco talk uh, you want to uh, i'll put you on the spot we'll get a little bit of a, sh- a short life history like when you started in retro computing when it was new
9: and what you're doing now oh uh, i was a original teenager that got entranced with the, the terrace 80 back in the late 70s uh, got back into playing around and programming it in the 90s, and wrote an emulator and did a bunch of other stuff, and and here I am now.
2: And here
1: you are now. And your presentation on, on TrisVid Vid was really cool. I liked seeing the uh, full motion video on a TRS-80 Model 4P is quite impressive. Uh, <laughs> it's really neat what uh, somebody can do with it when um, you know when they put their mind to it. And uh, it was it was a really cool project. So thanks for joining us. Thanks. And uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, John.
4: One thing about that TRS vid presentation that um, uh, we haven't talked, but uh, you might agree that, um, you know, I had a similar project and, and ultimately it was almost shocking how much the audio playback takes over the whole project. (laughs) <laughs> and, and sitting and watching the TRS vid presentation, um, it seemed like that you could probably say that about that project as well. That very much of that project was built around playing back the audio as well as the video. Uh, and if it, if, it, if it was a silent
9: project, it might have been a lot easier. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I only had one bit of audio, and it was sort of worse. But it's a a really demanding mistress.
4: Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
9: Yeah, You can screw up the video a lot easier and
4: nobody really knows as much as if you screw up the audio, though, you'll know right away.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's less forgiving, huh? Definitely. What uh, and the, so I'm not even fully aware of how the TRS80 generates sound because it, you know on the Coco the Coco was designed to make sound and, and I know enough that it you know I know now by listening to podcasts and stuff there's the the DAC or digital to audio conversion but it had a, a an actual sound output through its RF port. What was the way to get sound on the TRS80? Because I remember like Dancing Devil there was like a little speaker that I think that was plugged into a cassette port. Was you were kind of like hacking. Uh, generating noise in some weird hacky way to even get sound out of a trs-80 that's
9: right you'd get it through the cassette port and in the original you would actually take your cassette cable and plug it in differently to your cassette recorder and get sound that way and then eventually you actually got a little speaker to attach to it um your first third-party peripheral probably yeah And it's only got, uh, well, it's got three levels of output, although, practically speaking, we know what to do with the third one. (laughs) Mm
8: -hmm.
3: Yeah, Nick Nick can probably speak to this, too, because he first started developing on the Tier City Model 1 and 3 himself and did a lot of sound routines, so.
6: Yeah, it was basically a one-bit sound. Yeah. Uh, Similar to what we have on the Coco in the the one-bit sound mode. Just toggling a uh, the output of the cassette on and off Just have to write software to vary the speed of that and there's your sound
1: So is it almost like sending serial data like you were you're fooling the computer to think you're writing to tape and depending on the 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 bit pattern you can change the pitch of the sound or something like that
6: Uh, Basically, yeah, that's all it was. It's it's very Apple 2 ish. Yeah, yeah, very very similar.
1: Yeah, they had one bit sound as well. So
6: yeah, interesting,
1: interesting. But yeah, no, it was it was a cool little project. And uh, I, for some reason, I think things look cooler when they have been retrograded and they've got the grain and the pixelation to them and stuff like that. And it's like, it it seems like it takes more work to make it look crappier. <laughs> and that and it's that degraded 80s eight bit you know, look and pixelation stuff that just looks so cool, you know. Um, very cool project. So, uh, for those who, of you who are here in, in the panel now who weren't able to attend it, any of you catch the live stream or the replays? I know Ron mentioned he did. Anybody else catch any of the streaming from the event?
2: I, I caught some of it. I've watched a couple of them. I haven't had a lot of time to go through all of them yet.
1: Yeah um what was your impression of like the overall audio video quality because that's something i think i always struggle with trying to capture a room and the um kind of ambience and acoustics and things like that
3: yeah i mean it it, it varied a bit too depending where you position the mic and stuff and, and somebody made a suggestion if you could possibly tap right into the soundboard that the presenters are using their mics through to go to the speakers and split it to yours that'd be the best way to do it if you could because um, you sometimes pick up a bit of room noise, or if the mic's a little bit off to the side it's picking up somebody that's talking on the side, you, you hear these other conversations going on over top of this, the speaker. But once you move the mic right on the tables, it usually works pretty good.
8: Yeah. Still, there's
7: uh, a lot of uh, phasing, not really phasing, but a uh, fade as the speaker works, walks back and forth.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, w- I was too dumb to speak into uh, you know. <laughs> so, Steve's, so I stood behind it about half the time. It's, it's it's really impossible
1: to get a perfect setup with that thing. And, um, no, you'd have
3: to plug it directly into whatever mic they're actually
1: using. Well, yeah, for. and then and then there would just be an exuberant amount of cables that would need to be run. I would need a whole new type of AV input that would go into my laptop that could take the pass-through from the output of a sound console. You know, it's just it's going to be hard to get it perfect, but I'm sure there are some things that could be done to improve it. Um, one of my side projects will be to try to isolate the audio and maybe run it through Audacity and run some filter and stuff and see if I can't clean it up a bit um, and then, you know, to reprocess the videos to make them a little cleaner. But, yeah, that I'll, I'll put my thinking cap on, and I don't know if Myra will come up with any ideas between now and uh, a next event or something like that, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't horrible, but those are the things that, I, that
0: just bother me. You know, it's just that, uh, you know. One other thing, um, the, the screen, when you guys um, took video of the screen, it was three-quarters white. Yeah, I couldn't really see any screen? That's an, that's
1: another issue with using a single webcam. It, can, it can't focus on all the variety of, of lighting it can't you know it just can't do it um I, I could have possibly ran another camera but there were all the tables and chairs where it was kind of hard to do so we did we did the best we could do i think the most important part was that uh, you got to experience the event you got to at least hear what the people were saying um here are questions uh I, I will try to do some post-production kind of like what i did for rick adams and maybe superimpose some slides i've kind of reached out and asked some people to send me their slides. So as my time permits, I'll, I'll try to do some of those too. Have a yeah, kind it, was
3: de- of de- it was definitely legible. I mean, you, you did a good job considering the circumstances you're under. And you solved the uh, the video whiteout problem that one time when somebody knocked the camera so it faced the ceiling so they didn't have to worry about looking at slides. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. The, the, be- the best advice is you just need, you need to be there. <laughs> <laughs> true. It, it looked a hell of a lot better when you were sitting down in that room. <laughs> Uh. Okay, Nick Marota in the chat says, uh, as a home viewer, I thought it was great. Okay, that's good to hear. Uh, Jim Brain was saying, I watched, Jim Brain was in the exhibit room, and he was watching the presentations from there (laughs) while they were going on. Yeah, so he did say people need to hold the mics closer. You can't, you know, you, you can't control what people are going to do. All you can try to do is capture it the best you can. Um, uh, I think it it, I think it went okay. You know, I think some were better than others. I think the first one we did which happened, you know, unfortunately, was um, uh, Don French. Yeah, I didn't have the camera. I had the camera back in the back of the room where the laptop was. The laptop was in the back of the room and a lot of people were saying he was hard to hear, so I did Get some extension cords and try to move my microphone closer for future um, speakers. So I don't know how good that one is. I haven't I haven't played that one back.
10: Yeah, probably your best option, Steve, is like they said, just try to uh, try to intercept everything before it actually gets out. You know what I mean? But that'd be some sort of hardware involved, I'm sure.
6: Right. So you can always get a, you yeah. can always get a wireless mic, tight clip mic, and give that to the presenter well they did they had that the presenters
1: had a wireless mic that they either used or wow. didn't use effectively but it was like my microphone had to capture everything and it was capturing it from the room ambience and so depending on where my mic was and er- other things would affect how the, the recording came through
11: hey steve yes yeah. it's neil here hey uh, neil blanchard like and- hey how are you good yeah uh, th- thanks for having me on Mm-hmm. Um, if I could just chime in here, I just want to say a uh, quick two things. First of all, uh, on behalf of the uh, other Tandy Assembly organizers, uh, thank you very much for doing the video stream. My uh, pleasure. You know, I, yeah, I can't give you a big enough thanks for that. And also a bit of feedback. My friend was watching from home. He's not even a Coco guy. And uh, he said it was phenomenal. Like he, okay. he felt like he was there. Okay. Good. And he, Good. He's a big YouTuber. Uh huh. Right. So he knows a lot about video production, and he said your work was fantastic. Oh wow! Well, yeah, that's the nice. only complaint he had was what what uh, someone else was mentioning about the actual projector. You couldn't see the slides; it went white. But mm-hmm. that's tough, like you said, to you know to correct that. So yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for the feedback. Yeah, yeah, I want to give you the feedback because he said it was just amazing. So he, um, yeah, he was he was even texting my phone during the event. So it was kind of cool. <laughs> felt like he was right there. Very very cool. Yeah, so, yeah, so. yeah. I can't thank you enough for doing that for us. Oh, that it was was, my uh, pleasure. That was huge. You know,
1: for I don't know how many weeks or months, we've been just like going over the website saying, hey, we're excited about Tandy Assembly. And look, like, this is who it's going to be. And here's our speakers. And here's our, you know, here's our exhibitors. And so for the longest time, it was just lip service as we were talking about it. Now we were there. Um, yeah. uh, for me, I want to say it was it was an experience it was a complete experience and it was a very positive experience so i really enjoyed it Uh, i'm glad you guys did it um my first big road trip too so uh, (laughs) it's probably the furthest i've driven in my lifetime a thousand miles and so um that was kind of cool yeah um, so that was an experience, and you know, the road trip was an experience. Having a, a hotel mate was an experience, you know, and uh, um, you know. But the event itself was a really, really good experience. Uh, this is only my third event, so my. Um my pool to draw from is, is somewhat shallow, having been to two Cocoa Fests in this, but yeah this was definitely, you know, as good as any Cocoa Fest I had been to, I've never been to a VCF, but I would imagine you guys have all been to a lot of shows so you were probably able to say well this is what we like and this is what we don't like and you, you know, kind of had some your own observations to kind of hopefully infuse into this you know, what you guys did here sure,
4: and how about that Roosters,
1: huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, not bad. <laughs> not bad. I don't know how many times I ate there. It's convenient. Convenient yeah. location. <laughs> um, I didn't even know they had pizza until that guy brought some in um, that night, and I was like, wow, this is really good pizza. It's a wing place that had really good pizza. So, um, yeah, not bad. Um, I, I didn't try the pub food at all. Anybody eat at the pub there that's in house?
4: Patrick's. No, I didn't try
1: that one. No, I didn't either. No. Yeah. So there's there's a few choices. It's good. You know, I didn't...
4: It it must be good. It's constantly happening.
1: Yeah. 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 It was funny. There was... uh... There was a weird, weird, awkward moment where uh, I think it was Sunday night. We're sitting in the lobby, a handful of us, and this woman comes walking out of the pub, and we weren't sure if she was drunk or what. She might have been a little bit drunk, but uh, but she sees all of us sitting there, and she's like, "Hey, what are you guys doing? Are you having a party?" And we're looking at her like, "Wait a second, are you talking to us?" Or <laughs> was like, "We're not used to we're not used to women talking to us." And you clearly have mistaken us for someone else. <laughs> You're clearly. In- <laughs> <at this point. laughs> and then she's like, "Okay, you're not going to talk to me." she just kept on walking, so everybody kind of <laughs> stared. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Return
11: after these announcements.
5: Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. And when you're done watching, come over and listen to the Coco Crew podcast.
4: Hi, this is John Linville. And Neil Blanchard. We are the Coco Crew. I hope you're enjoying watching Stevie Stroh play video games, especially the Coco games. And when you're done with that, check out our podcast at CocoCrew.org. Something new is coming. Tandy Assembly Tandy Assembly is about Radio Shack and Tandy computers Tandy Assembly is about interacting Tandy Assembly is about people Tandy Assembly is
2: about fun The first gathering of its kind Computers of the 70s,
5: 80s, and 90s All Radio Shack and Tandy makes and models
4: Join Join us Don't miss Tandy Assembly In Chillicothe, Ohio October 7th and 8th whether you're near or far,
2: Tandy Assembly is for everyone. Visit our webpage at
5: www.tandyassembly.com. Tandy, Tandy assembly. assembly.
1: Oh, that was fun. But yeah, it was a great experience, I felt. Um, I, and I think, uh, so who else was there? But Grant, what was your, uh, and Brett and everybody. So, Grant, how did you like it?
12: I loved it. I had a great yeah. time. I think the enthusiasm was was very high. Uh, it was very well organized. Um, I definitely will be going next year. That's for sure.
1: Did you get well, to spend here? Yeah, did you yeah, spend yeah, a little bit more time on the exhibit side?
12: Unfortunately, I spent more time over on the uh, uh, presentation side. But I did get to make around to the tables, but uh, not as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just one of those things. I'll learn. You know, I'll try to be more selective next year between the two. But there were a lot of good speeches, so uh, I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it's always yeah. a balancing act, it seems.
12: And I really did enjoy the uh, cash bar, too, that evening, because it really uh, made a great uh, social environment to uh, mingle with everybody.
1: Definitely, definitely. If uh, The only way it could have been better if it was open bar. So uh, we can try to work on that next year. You said, <laughs> said the bank was good, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> have more women wander in half an too. Yeah. <laughs>
12: We'll just have it at Patrick's Pub next year. There you go. <laughs> but I do have one question for everybody that went. Uh, did anybody uh, bring home anything really exciting? Ooh.
0: How, yeah. How, I had upgrades done there, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I had done.
12: upgrades done while I
10: was there. I uh, handed, uh, was able to pick up a uh, somebody's spare Cookwest uh, Cook West DC, so that was nice. Um, but that was about the extent of mine, I think. Well,
1: well, after hearing all the commercials on the Cocoa Crew podcast, I finally got myself a CM8 monitor. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I've been wanting a a CM8 for a while.
0: Yeah? Yeah, one guy walked away with a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, I was. The auction was going good, but at, it was at three o'clock or something that auction started. And and, and I hadn't had lunch or anything yet. So it's like my stomach said, dude, it's time to go eat. <laughs> so <laughs> I just let the cameras roll and <laughs> went over to Roosters and had some wings. <laughs> yeah. I Did just you
0: get your CM8 from there?
1: No, I actually got my CM8 at the, just about the last minute. Ron Klein was getting ready to leave. And he was carrying it under his arm and it still had a price tag on it. I go, dude, were you going to sell that? He's like, yeah. But I go, well, I'll take it off you. So yeah, it's like everybody was leaving and packing up and I got that last minute deal. So
8: <laughs>
3: actually, one thing I wanted to ask everybody that was there, either as you know, as a sponsor, attendee, organizer, et cetera, what was your favorite part of the show?
9: Mm. Meeting people.
10: Yeah. yeah, I would say I would say to same. My favorite part was uh just getting around, meeting, putting, you know, I won't say faces, but putting personalities to faces and people I've met. That was probably the best part. Yeah. Speaking of that, anybody want to hear my uh, really good Boise Pete story? Yeah, of well, course, <laughs> sure. 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 Always want to hear so, that. Well, first of all, Boise is he's a uh, he's a big man. I, I won't say I guess big's the wrong word. Tall, very like uh, almost like a lumberjack-looking guy, which. Uh, you know he's so he's somewhat imposing but uh i was over talking to jim brain about his uh, upgrade and stuff and really wasn't talking to Boise. he was just kind of standing there listening and i walked away i went over to the other side of the room i was doing something he says uh jay i'm like yeah and he says boise pete introduces himself and uh we're talking and he's like uh so you know ask me questions whatever he's like have we met before i'm like no i don't think so he says What's your last name? I told him, Searle. He just says, Jay Searle. He says, I know that name. I'm like, well, I said, I know I've never met you before. I said, you may be online, maybe you've been on Cocoa Talk and saw it or whatever. And he's like, no, it's, I'm not sure. So we're talking. I'll you know, get into what he does for a living which is pretty impressive for anybody who knows what he does but uh anyway he goes and he's like kind of talking to me but looking on his phone at the same time and i noticed he's on amazon i'm like well i guess he's gonna shop while we're talking or whatever right and uh <laughs> so that was a little strange and all he goes that's why i remember it. that's why i know your name i'm like what and he shows me it. and when he put out his book i gave him a three-star review on amazon <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> So he says that's why. And now the funny part about it is, like, I grabbed his phone and I looked at it. And I'm like, "It's so this is like August of 2014." So he remembered my name from a three star review from three years ago. Like the top. <laughs> so that tells you number one, either he really, really was upset, or he just has a really good memory for things. I think it was probably a little bit of both. But anyway, we talked about it, and he wanted feedback on why I gave him that three star, or whatever. But anyway, we had a really good conversation. Really good guy. And then he was uh was
0: great on the game show. Yeah, 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 he was. I pushed
10: him into that. I said, you got to go do that. I said, you're the only Coco guy here that can do it. And then uh, the funny part was, so he goes up to do the game show, and, uh, you know, he was uh, like, you know, half a sheet to the wind or whatever at the time. But uh, he uh, didn't win, and I walked up, and I... And I grabbed him by the front of his shirt and I said, "Hey, Boise." He says, "What?" I said, "Now you're a two star." <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good conversation. But uh, yeah, he's a pretty impressive guy. I uh, was pretty uh, really good talk with him. So
3: that's cool. That's yeah. So now I'm I, curious, why did you only give it a three star review? Uh,
10: well, when he asked me on the spot, I was like, "Man, that was three you know three years ago." But I think what I told him, I think the reason I did that was because like the first. Like three quarters to you know two-thirds of the book was really good. It was really in-depth. It, it tracked along really well. And then I felt like the last bit of the book was just kind of almost like an afterthought. Like it wasn't really well fleshed out. Hmm. And uh, the funny part he said to me, he goes, yeah, you know, you're kind of right. He said, um, he said some of the people that we wanted to interview for that part of the book were either not alive anymore. Or they just have access to. So he said they were kind of pulling not from a lot of places and didn't just didn't have a lot of information, but they wanted to include it just to kind of you know fill the entire arc of the the product, but didn't have a whole lot there. So he kind of agreed to me agreed with me somewhat actually on that point. But uh, but that yeah that was my biggest I guess my biggest complaint about the book was that it just felt like the last part of it was not uh, not as I won't say it wasn't it was bad, but it wasn't as well
0: done as the first part of the book. Hmm. well the problem is we're uh, living out the rest of the book
10: well that's true that is part and that's what he said he said you know he almost felt like um you know looking into doing a second part or not a second part but like another book on you know current uh what do you want to say coco lore i guess if you want to call it that but uh he said there's just not a he don't have the time and there's not a whole lot of publisher interest in it so i don't know Hmm. if that you'll oversee that from him anyway yeah it's
1: amazing how much has happened since i found out about that book it almost seems like there's already another book
10: in what's well, going on in the him, community
1: said, you know
10: yeah i had said to him you know i don't know if you guys how I many you guys are uh looking at apple stuff too but i kind of put my fingers in a little bit of everything but uh there's a book out there an apple book that talks about it's written towards you know current uh peripherals and whatever it is that are available for the uh the apple 2 stuff so i said maybe a book you know in that direction but then you know we got in the conversation about you know uh publishers and whatever he said there's just not a lot of interest in that sort of thing because um, it is somewhat of a niche so
1: yeah that's probably where where things like podcasts and youtube and blogs are gonna carry that on right and i think that's where people who are interested in that are probably accustomed to okay mark's holding something up hold on one second what yeah, do you got there it, mark? mark that's what i'm talking about I'm the talking new about. apple 2 users guide that's funny the new apple 2 users guide
10: and it is really; it's very well done book on. Oh wow, Monica. that is oh, that is a,
1: that is a that's what she yep. said. But yeah, that is a thick <laughs> book.
10: <laughs> is there a lot of pictures? Uh, wow! Don't remember why. You need pictures or your picture guy?
1: I don't know if you heard the question no, mark, but is there lot is music. there a lot of pictures in it?
8: <laughs>
1: and Mark, I think you're muted.
7: Yep, I am. A few. Yeah. A lot of yeah.
1: text. Yeah.
10: Yeah, a lot of and tech. There's pictures of, like, you know, the CCFA or CFFA they have in there, pictures of that and stuff. But it's a pretty good book. I got it probably about a year ago. It's not too bad.
1: Yeah, it's, it's you know, I mean, this is my only retro system, and, and this is all kind of new to me. And I was, I'm was i impressed with things like the Coco SDC and all these projects. But um, there are a lot of systems that have, you know, things like we do, and in some cases even even more. Um, like the trs 80s has got uh, fully functional Ethernet stuff. You look at all the stuff that... Um, that um, they're doing with the Tris Vid and the, and the uh, the Tris Wiki and the Dropbox clients and all these things where, um, you know, you're you're getting on the internet. I, I know we have the ability to do that through DriveWire, but I don't know how. How much that's being exploited right now, and an actual physical Ethernet is, you know, I don't, I, I know there's things out there, but you know that might be kind of cool to get some Ethernet and more
10: Bluetooth connectivity, Wi-Fi connectivity, few things yeah, like well, that. Yeah, well, Jim, Brain does have a uh, Ethernet module, but it's a direct yeah. wire, which I'd be more interested in some sort of wireless. But
1: yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping some of those things will come. Um, but yeah, so uh, and listening to some of the podcasts, i one of the, one of the more recent floppy days where Randy Kendig had interviewed a bunch of people from one of the VCFs and is hearing all the different projects that are going on for like the TI-99, and the Amiga, and all these other systems. It seems like all these retro systems have this uh, resurgence of of lots of really cool high-tech hardware things that you can add to your old system. So uh, that seems to be going around in pretty much all the circles, and I guess that's good. It keeps keeps the community alive, keeps the keeps the sh- machines, you know, able to be used in you know in a modern setting and stuff. So.
7: The other problem is a lot of this stuff is really hard to get. Like uh, for the Apple, the uh, the Apple IIe family, the expanded memory cards are kind of limited. So there's actually a couple different places that are making replacements of the same size or larger
0: in RAM. So. I've done a lot of Telnet with uh, my Coco in the past, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Brett's doing quite a bit with... Uh, with Cocoa Networking between uh, uh, the Global Thermal Nuclear War and probably Fuzzix as <laughs> well. <laughs> how, Brett, you've been you've been quiet now. How how was your experience with Tandy Assembly?
13: Oh, I loved it. Uh, you can't beat something that's in your backyard, basically. No.
1: Oh, nice. And yeah, he was one of the lucky ones that, that way. Yeah, it was a, it was a big, you know, half-hour drive for me. Uh a beautiful weekend for traveling a, a big half hour where do drive. You <laughs> <laughs> I'm in where, Lancaster where do Ohio. you live I'm in Lancaster
8: oh,
0: okay. Ohio so I'm about halfway up uh, halfway between Columbus and Jillicothe Ohio so yeah. close I used to live and in I, Toledo oh
4: yeah Toledo just through a, a couple weeks ago
1: very very neat um you know, and so we, we need to mention, um, I think, I, I don't know if there was an award ceremony for Tandy Assembly because it was the first one, but if, if two awards need to be given, um, one being for traveling the most distance and the other being for the best dress they would both go to the same person and that would be Ian Maverick <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw the Mav there the whole time but the guy's in a three-piece suit for the whole weekend and he flew in from Australia so I think he's got us all beat on miles although the other guy from uh, New Zealand too uh, probably uh, give or take uh, same amount of mileage there um, but that was really cool to see him after hearing him on the trash talkers never meeting him before to meet him in person is an interesting guy uh, as all these as all these guys are so that was pretty cool
9: the guy from uh, New Zealand was uh, Philip Avery. Yeah. And I got the honor of being the first Tandy Assembler to meet uh, Ian because I picked him up at the airport. Ah. I wasn't expecting a guy in a suit. Long <laughs> yeah. <point of.
1: laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you guys did tell me it was casual, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and George is wearing his Tandy Assembly T-shirt they're representing. Looking good there, George. <laughs> yeah, haven't changed it for a week. Ah! <laughs> is it your lucky shirt? Now you're never gonna wash it. <laughs> all right, all right,
0: you got it. Stand up so we can see it.
1: Yeah, who did the uh, who did the artwork for that?
11: That was uh, Jim O'Keefe did it.
1: Okay, so he did the artwork, and I know he produced them too. So is he like a graphic artist or something? Or
11: yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, he's not a graphic artist, but I think he just has a, a, a knack for, uh, you know, doing up these uh, these shirt designs. Yeah. He looks like yeah. my garage. <laughs> he, he also did the one for Cocoa Fest, the 25th anniversary. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah.
0: Hey, uh, oh, there hey it is. guys, uh, what do you know about Brother Jeremy? Speaking of uh, mm-hmm. dressing funny or different, <laughs> what do did you he pass knowing? away, or is he still around? or do no, sure. no. He's still around as far as I know.
4: He... Uh, got promoted to, to be the head of his order or, or something like that um, uh, so he's been doing a lot of work or, you know on other sites
0: um, but he, you know, he was he, a user oh, right what's that he, he used the uh, color computer pretty much didn't he oh yeah back in the day at least
4: um, more recently I understand it for um, uh, for political reasons he uh, had, uh, apparently has renounced his U.S. citizenship <laughs> Now is it's that fa- is
1: that false news or is that real news? <laughs> as far as
4: I know, it's real news. Ah, okay. And so he will not be returning to the U.S. Um, anytime soon, is my understanding. Now he can represent
0: himself if he wants to, but that's that's what I heard. Okay, okay. Uh, one one good thing is this uh, Cocoa Group seems to be apolitical.
1: Yeah, that 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 is uh, Brendan's. Co- okay. Okay, Brendan, you're not a contact. Can, can somebody let Brendan know that he needs to add me as a contact? I'm not sure if you can hear me, Brendan, but you're trying to call me and you're not a contact with me. So, you, Oh, here he, hold on. Here he is. Brendan He sent me a contact request. Okay, now here he is. I'll try hey, to add him back lady. to the group call. There he goes. Oh,
5: man, sweet.
1: Okay, Brendan Donahy, do you read me? He's coming in. Um, So, yeah, so Brett brett had the shortest distance so there should be an award for that too uh, <laughs> for that long drawn out 30 minute drive uh, <laughs> uh rick adams is not with us too rick did rick drive the whole way or did he did he fly he did drive right
0: he drove
10: his
1: car there yeah all right he's Grant. still on his home <laughs> yeah no he saw him. he's home we been there's, there he is there's there's, there's brendan donahy uh how are you brendan doing all right how about you good we're talking about Tandy assembly were nice you were you there
14: <laughs> i was there
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: yes speaking of scoring big things at the show i, I brought home a a coco vga nice oh product.
1: man what a what a pro- what a product that is and and i remember um Michael Brandt was saying, yeah, I got mine set up, and I had it on my table. And then uh, Myro came by and saw it and says, oh, i got to get one of these. <laughs> yeah, and,
11: then, and then I followed suit. Yeah, yeah. I
1: saw
9: how
11: clean that I saw how clean that video oh was my God. That I set up. I, I was sold. It's just amazing.
1: I, yeah, that Cocoa VGA nice. is as clean and pretty as David Ladd is. I swear to God, it is so. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
8: Speaking of that, um, now we
13: need the, the, the Type A version yep. of the board.
10: I didn't even know Dave was here. Where's he hiding? <laughs> he's been, he's been I'm fixing. always hiding. You just yeah. don't
13: need to see me. Uh, Dave
3: didn't want to be on video because he didn't want to outclass the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. So yes.
1: He's he's, he's, a, he's back there fixing floppies while while he's multitasking so um, That's, uh,
15: Sir David to you
3: guys.
1: Sir David lad uh, as heard on the Coco Crew podcast, who's been fully legitimized. Oh, there he is. Unlike this illegitimate show here. <laughs> he's used to, he, he got promoted from the view to the the news magazine, so <laughs> uh-huh.
8: whatever,
0: uh, Steve.
1: Uh, so speaking of, uh, so we'll go back to Boise stories for just a second. And, and Jay, you could tell tell him what you said to me when you when you first met me, Jay. Uh,
10: well, I just walked into the lobby and and. Uh, <laughs> Steve walks up and I re- obviously I knew it was Steve. Because I see him on you know on the internet all the time, but I'm like, wow, you're really tall. Like I, I didn't expect him to be that tall. He goes like, yep, I've always been this tall.
8: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
10: it's just kind of funny because whatever for whatever reason whenever you see him for me anyways whenever I see him here on Coco Talk and on his videos he just I guess the camera angle whatever it is I just you know and not that he's super tall he's a normal normal height guy. It's just, this, it you funny. thought I'm I was like, smaller, wow, he's really tall.
8: Yeah. Yeah.
10: that was
1: the funny story was uh when uh well i think it was oh maybe it was uh scott adams when he said he got to meet george takei and he goes i kept looking at him and i kept saying man his head looks so big and not because his head was big but because i was used to seeing him on my
0: little television
1: <laughs> i thought that was funny um well, I did, uh, you have your Boise story. I, I I, tempted fate in the lobby. And, and Boise is, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a full-size guy. Mm. And I, I tempted fate by calling him Bo Pete. I <laughs> said, so,
8: no, is this Bo
1: Pete? Yeah, he goes, no. Because no. <laughs> I remember him saying, I'm going to body slam the first guy who calls me that. <laughs> and you don't want to be body slammed by Boise Pete, I can tell you that yeah, he. he do he's a
8: big boy. <laughs>
4: We will
14: return after these messages
0: hey everybody this is bill noble co-author of nitrous nine you are listening to coco talk live the leading live coco talk show
16: good day mates this is nick marionettes author of such color computer titles as donut disaster rupert rhymes and Rockstar pilot and I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS-9. OS-9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS-9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual and yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
4: So that was good. Um uh so have to tickle his belly, he'll come down. <laughs> 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 he is that is that a new is that a new version oh. of Touch the Heron? <laughs>
8: yeah. I'm
1: not
13: touching that one. <laughs>
1: Tickle the belly, touch the hair, and it's all kinds of things going on at these events here.
13: <laughs> and, and
3: Boise
10: just flew in from Europe right before the show, too, didn't he? Yeah, he had just—I don't remember where, but he said he had just come back. Yeah, so.
0: Yeah, he, he saw was, Simon he Mark. Yeah, Denver. Simon, you got you got to see you got
1: oh, okay. to see Boise, right, Simon? Is, is yes.
0: that him calling in right now?
1: I went to see him. Make yeah. Copenhagen. Very cool. Sorry. That's where they make chewing tobacco, right, Copenhagen?
10: You American! (laughs) Wow!
1: Is that anywhere near the town of Skull too?
10: (laughs) Right next to Hawkins. Or uh, yeah, Hawkins.
1: And Boise. I'm not Boise. Hello, Boise. But Simon. We're glad to see that we got your demo running at um, Tandy Assembly, and you sent me the disc. I think I've got it saved, so when we get you know, a little bit of time, we'll, we'll be happy to show off Simon's Tandy Assembly demo, which was very cool to see. Um, where is Simon? Simon's right here. Simon, where are you, Simon? There he is. <laughs> There's Simon. So, yeah. Very cool stuff. Very very cool stuff. So yeah, it was uh, it was a great event. Um, It's kind of like even like what we're doing now. When you just get people together and you're just kind of talking about the things that you love, um, it's just it's a good time. Um, I I almost think that if there was another event, even a Cocoa Fest, I'm thinking that you as much as these those speakers were great, you you almost kind of I'm thinking there should be an event that is really more just. Purely social, and and would would people still come for that, or do you do you? Is there like a need to have that draw of the big of the big gun to to come see, or would you think people would come just to hang out like we're doing right now? Does Glenside yeah. still have their cocoa picnic? Because that was kind of what that
10: was. They have that every year. It. Yeah, I think they're still doing. It. I see it in the newsletter. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, uh, the speakers weren't a huge deal. I I was there to see the vendors, meet some people, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the speakers were nice. Like I went to see, uh, was it Don French was a keynote? That was Mm -hmm. real interesting and a bunch of other ones. But uh, for me, it was more the uh, interaction and, and that sort of thing.
1: I mean, I think yeah. there's there's value-added content by having it, but it's always, for me, I always have a hard time finding balance between visiting those and, and doing the social aspect of it, you know? So it never seems to be enough time.
3: Yeah, it's almost like you have to have the exhibit hall open like multiple hours beyond what the speaker's schedules are so that people can get a chance to go through and see all the vendors with time to go through and talk to them and stuff as opposed to you know running them both roughly at the same start time, the same end time and then you're trying yeah. to you know, guess should I jump to a speech or should I go to see the vendors this time and then you've heard you missed something fantastic at one of the speakers and, and vice versa. You know, I didn't see this thing on the show because I didn't have time, so I don't know if there's any
1: you know, set yeah. way Well to I mean fix it was it was it was really impressive the the amount of uh, presentations they were able to squeeze in to the two days and for our first for our first event to get that much interest and in stuff um there were a lot of neat presentations obviously like the keynote ones were um you know historically significant and 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 entertaining but even some of these other projects like the Trisvid project was really cool i really liked the trs80 emulator um, project for android did you guys catch that no, I need to watch that. Yeah, so that the, one, yeah, that is a
5: cool one. It's a very um, cool one. They've got their own app store.
1: Neat. Yeah, yeah. So there's just there's neat things going on, and you know. So the, you guys asked earlier, what was your favorite thing? It's hard to pick. It's like when you got when you got more than one kid. You know, it's like, what's your favorite kid? You know, some days that decision is easier to make than others. But <laughs> usually, it's like, uh, you know, um, I, I couldn't pick a favorite presentation. Uh, I don't know that I could pick a uh you know a favorite moment. I think the whole thing I think the word I best used to describe it was it was an experience. you know the whole thing was an experience. it was a very positive experience and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, one one uh, question I'd like to throw at the organizers
3: that might help with the uh, you know trying to schedule between watching speakers and doing the show floor. I know some conventions will have some of your speeches and your 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 uh, guests and stuff there. do the presentations say up till noon starting at nine or 10 in the morning, but the show floor itself doesn't open till noon, which gives you know vendors time to do you know, any extra setup or not. But it also gives a, a chance to, for you to shift it so that you've got an overlap, but it's not complete, like 100% overlap that you're trying to do everything at once. You've got a couple of hours just for speakers. And then at the end of the day, you have a couple of hours just for the show floor. Is that something that might help with, you know, have, trying to get everything, take, take everything in? No.
4: <laughs> okay I, I'm I'm <laughs> those are all good ideas yeah it's something to consider um you know any option you offer though there's always going to be somebody to say yeah well I, I but then i'll just be sitting around with my thumb in our ear and yeah. The speaker finish." So, yeah I mean, i'm kind of
10: i'm kind of in that crowd i'd rather have them run simultaneous but that's just me right
3: so, yeah, I, mean, I just remember from Rainbow Fest, like, it was just too much. You And they didn't tape them back then either. So, I mean, I missed a ton of stuff I wanted to see. And I remember it was, you, would, you kind of made me mad. Well, why are you scheduling all this stuff type thing? But, you know, I guess it depends on, on the person and what, what their preference is. Maybe they well, prefer the speakers, maybe they prefer the show floor.
4: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if we had five days, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, there
12: we go, Tandy
4: um, Fest. <laughs> and then... Um, I mean, you, you know, people complain. Well, maybe there should just be less speakers, just two or three speakers, and then it's easy to see more of them. But then, if we have less speakers, then you're just saying, "I didn't want to see the speaker at all." Well, if you right. don't want to see the speaker at all, you could have stayed on the show floor. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't make much difference that way either. So, it's, it's kind of like it's hard to please everyone. Oh
10: right. yeah.
5: Yeah,
4: there think, might be. I think there, there might be, be some a bit um,
5: balance next next year. I believe.
10: Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think with this event being a Tandy event versus a Cocoa event, I think, um like, for me, other than the keynote, I really – it wasn't a whole lot of ones that I was interested in going specifically to see. I figured – plus with the fact that I knew I could watch them later because Stevie was going to be, you know, recording everything. So I guess it depends on what you're – I mean, if we had a more Cocoa centric I guess – uh emphasis next year then maybe my you know it would change for me but
1: if only there was a completely coco dedicated event that we could all attend <laughs> if
4: only that was later in the year yeah, yeah. we need another six months to plan that one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, like myself, I, I'm generally more in the Cocoa side of things too, but I really like seeing what the other people do. Plus, I did use TRS-80s back in the day too myself
8: mm-hmm.
3: and the Tandy. Oh, yeah. So I, I would have liked to have seen everything. I would have been in there at the show trying to figure out, okay, do I want to see the speaker or do I want to see the show floor? Because I want to ask questions about some of the stuff that was shown on the show floor, not just for the Cocoa, but just out of the interest sake of all the stuff they've been doing on the Tiers 80s And I would have been torn... Pretty right. well, every hour right. of the day type thing, trying to figure out what I would want to do. No,
1: it's it's a terrible problem to have when you're complaining about there being too much happening at this event. My God, there's yeah. just too Absolutely. much, man. <laughs> so And I, I wouldn't a,
3: want you to restrict, like say, like like John was saying, you know, I wouldn't want you to cut the speakers. I would just no. like to say offset schedule yeah. so you can cut, try to take as much as, as, in yeah. as you can. Well,
10: but that would be good, my preference. The other good thing about having that much content, like Stevie said, is it, it kind of like – for me, it's like all right. I want to come back next year and see what else they have. Well, what, sure. what are they going to sure. have next year? So it's not like we go into the event and went, hmm. Okay, I was here. I've been here for three hours and I'm I'm already bored. It wasn't like that. So I think that right, was right. You know, a good good side of all that.
1: So what do you guys think for next year? Um, I mean, do, do you think that? Uh you know, the, some of the, maybe some of the allure was that this was the first one, and we gotta be there. Or do you, do you think lightning is gonna strike twice? And uh, you, you know, do you anticipate any challenges or anything else? Uh, you're not gonna obviously rest in your laurels after one event. So, I mean, what, what's your thoughts going into next year?
0: I only saw one woman there, I think. <laughs> that was the one from the bar, wasn't it? Yeah. You can't count
10: her. <laughs> Actually, two of them, but you can't count them. I'm, I'm pretty well, I enthused for next year
5: uh, i think that uh, uh you know we'll probably make some adjustments uh we did well from the auction so
8: mm-hmm.
5: you know we may have some better amenities and uh, uh i i don't know I, I heard from a lot of people that some people stayed away because it was the first one because they didn't know if it was going to go anywhere
10: that's the and, stu- that's uh, the stupidest reason i you know that's that's like an oxymoron i'm not going to go because it's the first one because it may not be this may not be a second one well if you don't go to the first one then there won't be a second one so yeah it's weird
5: yeah Yeah, the uh, i think the streaming you know will probably draw more people to it as well the fact that they got to see it and there was good response to that uh, you know i'm hopeful that we'll get even more people next year
1: yeah, yeah. Because
3: yeah, it's that... both a, a, a blessing and a curse because it, it entices you to want to enjoy the show, and if you enjoy all the streaming going on, you're going, yeah, this is something I want to go to. On the other hand, some people might not come because oh, I can just watch it on the stream type thing. So yeah. right, yeah.
10: it might be it might be worth considering doing it as a um, dropping it after the show, maybe instead of a live stream next time. Just the thought that way, you know, the show is still the thing while it's going on, and then you know, drop the uh, videos later. Maybe I don't know, just the thought. But...
4: Yeah, but then Steve starts demanding higher pay and... and David, <laughs> it's bad enough we can't get David back on the show. Yeah. <laughs> don't have Steve either. Dave, well,
1: you know. Uh, and the
3: live stream helped me because I'd asked Steve to ask some of the speakers questions and he actually did yeah. ask a few of them. So yeah.
1: So. yeah, and I would imagine too, like let's say you were one of the speakers and you had family from out of town that couldn't make it. You, you want your family to see uh, have that moment. Um, I don't I don't think the live stream takes away from it. I just think there's, there's some people who just wouldn't come or couldn't come anyways I, I think it's I think it's a bit of a value added and as well as um, uh, it, <laughs> it, it, an advertising for <laughs> too it is yeah so now you have promotions for next year you can take any of that video you can kind of cut that down into a little sizzle reel and have a promotion if you didn't make Tandy Assembly last year look at what you missed we had drunk girls walking through the lobby you know and all that kind of <laughs> stuff so um, so um, you know and, and, and yeah I, th- I think it should help um, and, and you know so if somebody was on the fence which is the stupidest thing like oh I'm not going to come because it's the first one that is very, that is the most ridiculous logic but if you were yeah. on the fence you've seen it uh, so now there's no excuse and um, not
10: have you seen it but it was very good and successful so that was yeah. always that was nice to see so
0: one good thing was uh, when you had the uh, auction and you showed the audience we were able to see who was uh, raising their hand and who went up and and uh took some of the stuff that was an interesting part
1: yeah yeah and it's really hard to do that room justice and um you know it's having a stationary camera you get to see a, a, a little window into it but yeah there's there's a certain energy that's there that you just can't capture on even just any part of it and the speaking parts the exhibit hall you know being able to record it is nice but it doesn't capture the energy of really being there there's just that extra Something that you can't you can't digitize, you know. The analog aspect is you really have to experience. One thing I have to really give you props, Steve, is up that that
3: you had the side camera where we could view the audience, plus you had the main camera on the speaker, so you could see audience reactions. That was a really nice touch that uh, I think we should do for Cocoa Fest as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I wasn't able to do that at Cocoa Fest on my previous laptop because it could barely handle one camera, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had to get a beefier laptop that could that could support the uh, you know the process of multiple webcams. So, um.
12: so I'm wondering, uh, just out of curiosity, how did the uh, taking of uh, credit cards and PayPal affect the uh, auction? Did people increase their bids because of that, or do you think there was no difference? Uh, I well,
5: think there was a – go ahead, John. Go
4: ahead. Well, I'll just say, I mean, it's hard to tell, but, you know, since we can't rerun any of it, but, um, I mean, I felt like people were freer with their bidding and, and – um, easier to to sell stuff to um I think it's a good thing I definitely would advocate for for us to do it again if it was to come up again um I advocated this week for Glenside to do it for their auction um no, they may eventually get talked into it.
8: Yeah.
1: yeah <laughs> you might think.
4: Well, you got my vote on that one. Yeah.
1: And yeah if, if, if you can somehow run a credit card machine through the Coco 3, they might consider it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> as long as it saves everything to the Dynastar, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> there were definitely people that ran out of cash that went to PayPal.
10: So we were yeah, yeah, I, was well, of yeah uh, that, uh, I was
15: one of those as well because I blew well, my, uh, cash, my cash budget too. So yeah. Um, well, I, I see the, I see the
10: uh, model four sitting there. I'm like, hmm. I don't have that kind of money cause yeah. I knew we to go. And I walked over the Mike, and I'm like, hey, uh, can I like go get money, come back, pay? He's like, oh, we take credit cards. I'm like, okay, no problem then.
8: <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was, it was nice. A, yeah, well, I'm I, have,
10: sorry, I was just gonna say it's also a
11: good idea for international people uh, for yes. guests coming as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Very handy. Yeah. And I I always run out of cash when I'm at Cocoa Fest. So. But, you know it was, it was yeah
1: my, yeah i, t- I typically I'm, I'm used to not carrying cash in my regular daily life i just you yeah, know in, in the yeah. in the 21st century we can swipe um so uh, or tap uh, yeah swipe, swipe or tap
4: swipe tap or chip we all. yeah
1: we can do it all um so that was great because even i bought a mouse pad and it was a three dollar mouse pad but i didn't have cash so the fact that i could just you know do my little plastic thing and, and get the three dollar mouse pad it was convenient and, and really so the convenience factor is great and then if there was a bigger ticket item and somebody didn't have the cash you might say well gosh you know I don't want to bid more than a hundred out of my pocket but I've got this uh, credit card thing where I can make easy low monthly payments on this thing I might just go ahead and buy it you know so I think that does open up some some potential sales that might have been restricted if you had to do it with what cash you had on hand uh, um, and again these are things to me that just make sense they just make sense why not in the not?
0: future in the future on uh, tandy assembly 17 they can take internet uh, auction stuff huh
8: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that was discussed even at a cocoa fest it seems to be like that just slows things down and it's kind of hard to enforce and it's kind of hard to collect on so it, it, well it is uh,
0: it is now because we don't have much technology yeah Maybe by Coco, you know, by uh, Assembly 14 or 17, we'll have a uh, more technology.
1: All right, right. Well, by that time we've entered the Star Trek Next Generation area, and money just went away by then. So yeah, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, it, holographic bidders would certainly be easier to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: well, there was a few questions in live chat that I haven't been watching here. So getting back to an earlier discussion about uh, Brendan's Coco VGA, Norlander had asked, "Is there Coco VGA for the Coco 3?" Which let we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll me get all the questions out, then we'll answer them. Um, and, or is anybody working on one? And we have an answer to that question. And then the next thing that Norlander said was that the the stream appeared to be pixelated, um, and I'm not sure if that was on your end, but we on the on day one they unlocked a lot of bandwidth. And I had something like 50 or 80 megabit download speed on that thing. So day one's bandwidth should not have been an issue. Now day two, the bandwidth wasn't as good, but I was still able to stream at either like two or four megabits, which should have been fine. So I don't know if that was on your end, Norlander. But did anybody else notice from any of the Sunday streams if it seemed pixelated at all?
0: Not, not excessively. There was so some there was someone you were walking around, but it was only, like, uh, between when you uh, moved the camera until it got stationary, you know, like when you were um, going from place to place. But it um, wasn't a hassle. And that's okay. normal
3: because, I mean, you have to redraw the entire frame every time you're moving yeah. the camera like that versus you know, mm-hmm. compression where
1: you're on a static spot. Yeah, it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fedor has joined us. Hello, Fedor. Um, Retro Innovation says, need more power. So, yeah, that's Jim Brain. We did. That was an interesting thing, having a lot of this old technology was tripping a couple of circuit breakers by having too many things off of one uh, feed in there. Um, and I, I think yeah. it was. Um,
5: that was our really our only glitch, and uh, we did yeah. get it worked out, but it yeah. took a while to get the uh, maintenance guys to open up the breakers for us.
0: Yeah. I had yeah. to do that here. I got two different circuits for the stuff I got turned on cuz I do not want to pop anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean some of those some of the older tech just drew a lot of amps, you know. Yeah. I think it was I think it was saying there was a Tandy 2000 with its uh, internal hard drive that every time that one fired up, it would pop the circuit breaker so I had to keep <laughs> had to keep the 2000 offline for a while there. So
3: Thank God you guys didn't have a PDP Fest
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> this breaker's <is> crazy. <laughs>
10: There was an Altair clone there. That was pretty
1: cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul Fiscarelli, FISCAP, he had the uh, Altair thing with the ter- with the terminal on it. Um, yeah, the ADM 3A yeah. terminal
3: that I
14: recognized. Did anybody?
1: Yeah. Did any of you guys see his project he's working on where it's basically like a visual disk image browser?
14: Yeah, I did. That was awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. my God. That pretty was great. Neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was really, really neat. So it's kind of like if you know what the Finder looks like on the Mac or what the Folder Explorer looks like on Windows, but you can browse disk images and and look at them uh, dozens of different ways, like just looking at the directory level of what's on a disk image and then clicking on a file and being able, if it was a basic file, it would detokenize it. You could actually see the listings. If it was an assembly file, it would disassemble it. You could see all the assembly code. Um, you could get like a hex dump of what was on the floppy. You could do like image viewing. There was just so many different ways to view what was in a disk image, it was really, really impressive. This is a very useful tool because, it, you know, uh, I don't, I don't even know how to use some of the other tools that most of you guys know how to use with these modern disk imaging, where you use a modern PC to manipulate disks. So I'm used to having to mount it in the Cocoa or the emulator and type in DIR and see what's on it. I don't even have um, too many, um, um, you know, uh, high-tech ways of doing that. So. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a neat little project and I know he's still working on it. So that's going to be. Was neat that shown to on the stream cuz I don't remember seeing that. It might have been one of the time, No, I don't think, think so. That. Honestly, I don't. Uh, if if it was, it was maybe on one of the ones where we were talking from the exhibit hall. There was a few times I walked around with my phone and just streamed from the exhibit hall, so it might be in the middle of one of those. I'm not sure. Okay. It's been a whirlwind for me since I've been back. My my work has been really, really busy. So, I, I like, I just today, I just pulled a few things out of the boxes. That I've been sitting on the floor here since last weekend. I've been, like, travel logged just to all the driving and everything else. You know, it's like I still feel like I'm trying to catch up on my sleep. So, I got that going against me, and then my work has been really busy. So, I've had no time to look at any of the videos or anything from last week. So, um I wouldn't change a thing. Um, so getting back to Norlander's question, how do we get VGA out on a Cocoa 3? Anybody want to take
10: that? What you suggest for that? Well, I know I talked, uh, talked to Rob at the show. He's in the call, right? Yeah, there he is. And uh, I think his. I looked at his SCART and uh, the SCART option that he has with the cable and all that. For, and if you want to do RGB, obviously, if you're looking to do some sort of other composite or whatever then i guess you have another solution but i thought that uh really had good output he had some stuff run on it and i think that's the way i'm going to go personally
3: yeah uh the other option is is the spectra from uh mark marlette and cloud nine which actually does composite stuff through the rgb cable but it's a lot more expensive than a scart cable obviously
5: it also emulates uh artifact colors which is Mm -hmm. nice
1: Right. Right.
15: Yeah, he got my name wrong. It's Richard, not Robert. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Richard Normieskin, second. Yeah, that was Good Yeah, weather. that I had the scart cable thing going. But uh yeah, right now as as I speak, you can hear in the background that's my heat gun, but I'm actually making more cables right now.
1: Yeah, th- yes. that your setup is per- was pretty neat there, Richard. And um, we've got a handful of videos we've taken of Richard Lorbieski actually doing the brain surgery and and putting a sixty three hundred nine in a Coco three. So I've got to download some of that video, and we'll be releasing some of that. But it's it's a really neat process to desolder the CPU, and the way that Richard does it with the with the uh, solder sucker thing, it makes it look so easy and quick, but seeing that process of removing the and I still have it, he gave it back to me it it was a clean removal of the 6809 from the Coco 3, so I've still got that, putting in the socket putting the 6309 in there that process was really interesting and having the right tools makes it almost it's it's almost like cheating you know it's just like it makes it so quick and easy so i've heard of people cutting the legs off of the cpu which is you know you've just killed a chip by doing that um you know you might want to find another way to manually desolder that kind of stuff but having that solder sucker just and just pull everything off it just made it so quick and easy um and your craftsmanship how long
0: did it actually take
1: uh it took a little bit of time but not too long How how long would you think it took richard about 15 20 minutes maybe
0: yeah. Somewhere no, around but,
1: there. But that's that's, that's from cool. taking it apart to putting it back together. <clears throat> the actual CPU part of it didn't take terribly long, but he's very careful. He's got a, you know great attention to detail there.
15: Yeah, yeah, just taking the chip out, it took less than about a little, a little over
1: five minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> but your craftsmanship and your attention to detail and your steady hand and everything, it's really good. Good stuff.
13: After these
8: messages,
13: we we'll be right back. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer.
7: What's going on, everybody? Original gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get Amacoconut, Talk," and other cool video game images on a T-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh
0: sent you. Do you have to take the um, motherboard off of the case, or do you do it on the top? No, yeah,
15: you, ha- you have to take the you have to take the motherboard out. You also have to remove the uh, RF shield uh, on the, the bottom of it, as well, and um, and then that's that's how
1: I I unsoldered from the bottom of the motherboard. Okay. Yeah, it's neat. It's real neat. Um, yeah, so uh, getting back to your question, Norlander, because the Coco 3 has an RGB out, there's a number of ways you can take that rgb signal and convert that to vga or other things and so one of those ways is the um scart cable and the scart cable then needs to be adapted with a box to hdmi and you can plug it into a modern thing and there's been a number of these rgb to vga projects over the years i think and, and the current one is is mark marlette as uh, curtis mentioned the cloud nine tech product the um and and it seems like we everybody keeps running into these same issues that like brendan came into whereas um the artifacting is a big thing and so uh peter bartlett who also has this project he's working on which is a cartridge which is really clever way of doing this thing so he's got this cartridge that'll plug into the coco that gives you vga output and it kind of scans the bus and it's reading everything and it's outputting it that way when he did it he had never owned a coco before he didn't even know about artifacting so he's now having to incorporate that logic and stuff so it seems like this is a wheel that keeps coming up and it's a wheel that has to keep being reinvented and so um and brendan since you're very near and dear to this (laughs) uh, and 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 by by the way um how how did it go for you were your expectations met or exceeded when it came to just the general reception to coco vga as well as you know selling some units and stuff
14: yeah i was i was really happy um you know I, i was actually a little bit surprised that we sold out um it was actually one reason why um, I was glad that my wife handed me the uh, the square on the way out the door, so that I could potentially take credit cards as a um, as a way to entice folks who maybe didn't want to you know didn't want to run out of cash or wanted to reserve their cash for other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was very happy that we sold out, and um, uh, it was fun to be able to do you know three of the installations there. Um, and and thanks to uh, Richard Larbieski with. Uh, some of the, uh, uh, RF modulator desoldering. That was, uh, that was most helpful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great event. I missed, um, a number of the presentations that I would like to have seen. So I'm really glad Stevie that you, uh, you recorded them. So now I can sort of catch up on those, um, kind of after the fact, um, but, uh, yeah, it was busy. It was fun. it was uh, it was great hanging out in the uh, exhibit hall and you know chatting with folks about the project and about their projects. Um, yeah, i had a I had a great time, and I, I think the reception for Coco Vga was was great. I mean, it was as good or better than I would have expected.
1: Okay. Very cool. I'm glad to hear that. Um, the the output is so clean. You know, it's like uh, I'm, I'm used to looking at, uh, I watch my Coco 3, and Ed, I have Ed Snyder's prototype, so it does RGB to S video. And then I run that through my computer in a uh, capture, and I look at it on my flat panel monitor, and it's super clean. There's no artifacting. I can look at 80-column text, and it looks good, and I was kind of spoiled by that. But then looking at your display, it's just like, oh, my God, it must have had mud in my eyes this whole Whole time because it's like for the first time I have seen what a color computer is supposed to look like. It is so clear, it is so crisp, and uh, again, it just reminded me of David Ladd how clean and pretty it was. And um, it's just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Darn you! <laughs> um, but it's it's incredible how how good it looks, and then when you throw in things like your 64 by 32 column mode, which is super cool, and then you've got multiple artifact modes. So so yeah, there's there's all these projects, and and I guess you've run into the artifacting challenge. And so um, any like short story you want to share with us, like what it was like to have to deal with with artifacting, and you know some maybe a lesson you learned from that or anything like that.
14: Sure. Um, So, yeah, um, you know, artifacting, Yeah, it's it's sort of the the sort of thing where um, I sort of, you know, initially made the assumption that, well, it's just, you know, the basic artifacting, you know, gets you the red and blue in Mm P-Mode 4, and it's just based on the pixel location, either odd or or even uh, in the Y direction. But then you start looking at some of these other games, um, uh, like... uh, Oh, sands of Egypt. Yeah, sands of Egypt for shooting gallery, and they're seeing so many other colors. uh, You know, you get you get so many more out of that that you know you just wow. Where do I go from here? So uh, I was lucky that um, I had uh, you know mess or mame to fall back on. So I actually stole the algorithm from that um, and basically ported it to Verilog for the for my purposes. Okay. so uh so yeah that was a that was a challenge and i spent quite a bit of time with that um so uh you know and and even so i mean the the medicine meme is probably the the most authentic um but i also um don't particularly like that that mode for text adventures and things like that right, I think it, right. it's a little bit too muddy so um so anyways so i added some other modes there that you know will hopefully. Uh, make those uh, types of games and applications a little more palatable but um, anyway yeah this has been a bit of a uh, uh, kind of a bucket list item for me because you know back in the day with my Coco 2 you know I had it connected up to a little panasonic tv and i remember you know the interference patterns would just hypnotize me when i'm sitting there <laughs> trying to program and uh you know i told myself someday i'm going to fix this so my cocoa doesn't do this anymore um so anyway so it, it was definitely a project that that i wanted that you know uh, so i'm 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 very happy that other people are excited about it as well
1: Right. Well, So now that you've gone through some of these prototypings and you have Ed Snyder helping you and, and you know, it's not uh, necessarily one person operation sure. right now. If if all of a sudden you got an order for 50 units and, the, you know, the floodgates opened up, how quickly would you be able to respond to that? Would there be a waiting list or things like that? Or is you know.
14: So I actually uh, do maintain a waiting list. Um, so uh, I, have a, I have a spreadsheet that I, I keep going. Um, In terms of, you know, responding and getting them out in any particular time uh, time frame, I think that would be something I'd have to ask uh, Ed for because he's doing all of the assembly himself. Ah, Um, So, um, um, you know, he, he ships me um this this last time around he shipped me the majority of the the parts so that i could you know further distribute them and uh um you know install them for folks and things like that so you know i think uh, you know he said that that's a time savings for him so we may continue that way i wouldn't mind learning how to uh um do what he does but i think it might be a little while yet
1: okay Okay. And, and you're, one question. you're not the oh, only thing that Ed makes either too. So Ed sometimes has a waiting list on his own projects. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah,
14: and and Ed has plenty of other, you know, experiments that he's uh he's doing as well.
1: Yeah. Very cool. Sorry, Curtis. Yeah. I was just gonna
3: ask, like I know it's it's specifically right now for a certain version of the circuit board, correct? Yes, that's right. How many different versions if you go between the Coco One, the Coco Two and the Dragon, how many different versions is there that you would have to make to cover them
14: all? Well, so the uh, the the Coco 2 with the Rev B board in it, um, and the Tano US Tano Dragon, uh, the same board fits in both of those. So that that both of those systems are covered with this with the current one that we have. Um, so my gut feel is that there will be another one or maybe two, depending on the. Um, the board in the uh coco one you know the how how the you know f board versus some of the earlier boards are laid out um ed is looking at trying to combine you know some of the earlier coco twos or you know some some of the korean coco twos with uh uh with some coco one so my my gut feel is there will probably be another two board form factors it might be a little more than that um but uh but in any case uh, that that's my gut feel the other thing that uh you know I'd, it would be really cool to have an MC10 with VGA um, oh. <laughs> that would that would make it a lot easier for me to travel uh to Coco Fest and things like that as well because it would fit in my luggage easier but wow. um uh but you know there's so little room inside that case uh i'm not sure how feasible that's going to be so that that'll be another thing that we need to uh take a look at
1: neat Cool, thanks. Very cool. Sure. All right. And and just in case anybody, when we, we've been talking about artifacting, so if anybody's out there not even knowing what artifacting is, it's not a uh, ancient relic that uh, Indiana Jones picks out, but it's, it's how we get the red and blue colors uh, on, the, on the old television screens because that was a black and white mode that actually created these false colors that, became part of the games you know and so the 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 whole idea of artifacting is something that is an analog thing that typically um is only available on the old crt televisions once you go to digital and you go to vga and things like that you lose that and you see just these black and white stripes and so the ability to recreate that on these uh, vga and hdmi projects is you know requires some sorcery to kind of um to do so it's pretty cool um
3: and it's nice to support both because there are some things like, say, a word processor or some of the old black and white games like Dungeons & Dragons.
1: You do want the plain black and white. Right. And then other right, games right. you do want the oh. artifact. Yeah, that was neat. There was a gentleman, I don't remember his name, but he came up to me and he goes, um, yeah, I was told you would be the guy to ask if I wanted to get a couple of games to on cartridge to play on the Color Computer 3. So we went over to the Cloud 9 table and we we're kind of going through the different games. Like, what is the must-have, you know, if he just got a Coco 3, he got a 128 K. Cocoa 3, so we were looking at things like Rampage, which was a great game for the Cocoa 3, and of, of one of those games, I was basically showing him that if you got a Cocoa 2 cartridge and you are going to plug it into an RGB, you couldn't do artifacting, but one of the games, like you just mentioned, Curtis, like Dungeons of daggereth that is that is black and white kind of this vector art thing. That That is perfect for a non-artifact screen. Um, so he did get, you know, if, if you've never owned a cartridge game and you wanted to start a Cocoa collection, Dungeons of is has da- definitely got to be in your top 10 uh, next to farfall of course although that wouldn't run <laughs> on a, that wouldn't run on a coco three but um yeah, So i think he got dungeons of dagrith and he might have got uh, rampage or something like that so uh, it was pretty cool pretty cool walking around looking at it it's neat that we can sit here and kind of window shop through cartridges because cloud 9s just got bins and bins of coco games on cartridge and you can kind of pick through them and do i want a loose cart do i want one in the plastic bubble pack do i want one in a box do i want one with or without a manual you had so many choices there it's pretty cool Uh, you know why they have those why do they have those
4: (laughs) well so uh, you know mark's been making um add-ons to the cocoa for years and uh, he was looking for ways to collect cartridge cases back in the days before we had any new ones that we could make Ah. so so, and it wasn't that long ago when you go to cocoa fest you could basically get a trash bag full of cartridges for 25 cents a pound or something like that. (laughs) Wow. And so he was buying them in bulk. And um, uh, unfortunately he found out later that after they get a little age on them, they sometimes get a little brittle or whatever. So that's part of why he's been selling them off because he found that the cases had become kind of useless, at least Hmm. for uh taking them apart and using them for something else
1: yeah
4: and of course now we have a source for new ones so economically the you uh, just will use our cases uh for new stuff but uh but yeah so just uh scavenging the old cases didn't turn out to be an economically viable uh, alternative mm. long run
3: yeah because remember he used to always request trying to get disc control like the larger size cases too for some of the projects too
4: so yeah yeah, There should be some of those laying around in the community because there used to be a bunch of the longer disc control style uh, cases uh, just available. Um, but uh, apparently they're drying up uh, and I can't find mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, he was a little tight-lipped but also kind of
1: gave a teaser when um, when asked about what uh, Mark from Cloud9 was working on. He wasn't going to say what it was, but all he was going to say is, is it's going to blow everything else out of the water. So... Uh, <laughs> That will hopefully we'll you know we'll see what that is and, and this is a guy whose words carry some weight so it's hopefully not just lip service but um, uh, he's made a lot of great things in the past so it would be interesting to see what and he's aware of what's going on because we had a little mini conversation I was saying to him and I said there's all these projects coming out right now like uh, Jim Brain's memory add-on and all these other things and so he's definitely aware of what other projects are are happening and he still was able to say with uh, with great confidence that his next big thing will blow everything out of the water so that'll be interesting to see when that comes out i'm pretty yeah. sure a lot of us old-timers know exactly what he's talking about okay it's been promised for quite a while <laughs> and it keeps changing feature creep Well, um, okay well that's not that's not necessarily new then either but yeah um, i was thinking it might be something completely different but i guess we'll have nope, to wait and could see. be i mean i yeah. haven't talked to him about
3: it recently but I, I did talk to him last year the year before Cocoa fest about uh, the status of it and he was adding a whole bunch of stuff at that point so
1: yeah well we've been going for a while now we've been going for well over an hour and a half and i know there's a couple other segments we wanted to get to so um I know ron Delvo, you still there are you awake did we lose ron We might have lost Ron Delvaux. Maybe Ron will call back. So um, it's very possible we might be able to have a Grant Leedy question that does not lead to a four-hour pontification fest. Um, (laughs) We'll try that. Oh, why uh, not? uh, Well, here he comes. Here he comes. Don't
4: copy that floppy.
1: (laughs) Don't (laughs) copy that floppy. It looks like Ron's trying to say, Ron is back. Um, So uh, do we want to – we're going to try it. (laughs) I'm going to try this, and I hope I won't regret doing this, but we're going to try to have Grant's uh, newbie question of the week, but before we do that, because this is a a professionally run show here, um, we have to have the official infographic here right now, so hold on just a second here while I get my announcer queued up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Newbie Talk with Grant Leedy, featuring the newbie question of the week. Which hopefully won't spawn a four-hour debate. And on that note, take it away, Grant Lady. Hey, Steve. <laughs> Going for five hours today. <laughs> Grant Lady, how are you, sir?
12: I am doing great. And yourself?
1: Not bad. Not bad. What'd you do last
12: weekend? Ah, spent a lot of money. <laughs>
8: <laughs>
12: Way to help the economy. Exactly. And just to let everybody know, I did get a CM8 as well, so I am uh, finally got a monitor, so I'm very happy.
1: Yeah. Uh, irony can be pretty ironic sometimes, because Michael Brandt drove with me. He had a CM8 in the car the whole time, which he ended up selling to you. Uh, and on, my, <laughs> on the last day of the show, I ended up buying a CM8 monitor that I brought back with me. So <laughs> the actual the weight distribution of the vehicle didn't change too much in that respect. So, <laughs> So, very cool. Uh, what is the question of the week you have for us today, Grant Leedy?
12: Well, if you purchase a brand new uh, color, well, I shouldn't say brand new, but you purchase a new uh, color computer, what add-ins should you get and what accessories should you buy?
1: Hmm. All well, of the above.
12: <laughs>
1: well, let's, let, me, let me turn the question into a question, Grant Leedy because you have recently obtained a couple of color computers so what accessories did you obtain and what motivated you to get those
12: well one of the big things i did was the uh, 6309 upgrade i did that this last weekend uh also i got a a multi-pack interface from you as well and uh i got the upgrade for the pal chip on that and then of course the cm8 but um you know the reason I asked this question because I know uh, Rick has got a new computer mm-hmm. here this last week, and I was, he was asking, you know, what should I get, and you know uh, what what is the things you should get for a uh, computer? For SDC for it? sure.
3: Yeah, yeah, that would be my first vote too. For whether you have a Cocoa one, two, or a three, or
1: anything, that's that's the must go to the single must have accessory is the Cocoa SDC, huh?
14: I would agree with that, but I'd also say that if you're on a, on a budget, um, drive wire comes pretty close.
1: Okay, there you go. Very true. Drive wire. Um, and the other the, the only caveat to Cocoa SDC is that running a disk controller requires you to have extended color basics. So in the off chance you've got a uh, color basic Cocoa, which there's still a number of those floating around, then the Cocoa SDC would not be an option.
3: That is true. Now, Sirian, you were mentioning that the Dragon MMC can actually support like cassette and stuff too, like virtual cassette files. Am I understanding that right? Uh,
17: yeah. Hello. Um, it it sort of on the fly patches. Um, this isn't mine, by the way. This is this is somebody who frequents the Dragon Archive forums, Phil or somebody. I know his name, but it's just escaped my brain. Um, and it, it uses the, um, what do you call it in Cocoa World, SLNB signal, the one that inhibits the uh, device selects. So, it can, it can sort of inhibit access to the local ROM and patch it on the fly. And so, yeah, it supports loading various virtual, you know, um, what you would normally use in, in an emulator.
3: Okay, disc yeah, because uh, it it handles various disk format, format files. It handles cassette files. It uh, it and it works on Dragon and Coco One too.
17: Yeah, you know, and it it will slurp in a ROM and pretend to be a ROM for you as well. A bit like the Coco SDC, but on the fly again. It it doesn't it doesn't have flash. Well, it probably does have flash, but it doesn't do it that way. It's kind of cool. It's different.
3: Yeah, because that was one thing I was kind of confused. i had heard about the project, but I didn't really know what the difference was. And and to me, at that first glance, it looked redundant with the Cocoa SDC, but from what you mentioned earlier in chat today and what you're talking about now, there are some pretty big differences between it and the Cocoa STC.
17: Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. You know, the, the best bit, there's a little button on it, you press the button and you can save a snapshot of the whole machine or load a previous one to the to an SD card, SD card, sorry.
3: <laughs> so you like save a game in progress and then just pick up where you left off the next day type thing.
17: Yeah, it's as they, like you were using an emulator. That's cool. That's cool. That is cool. Harvey Smith, Phil Harvey Smith.
1: Okay. So, yeah, it's uh it's a similar but um that's a variant of the Cocoa SDC, and sounds like it's got some uh, different features, which is pretty cool. Uh now is this the one that also had the MMU capability as well?
17: Uh no, so th- um so you know Tormod Bolden, he, he maintains some of the tool shed stuff as mm-hmm. well. He's created various little hardware projects over time, and his latest one is a memory expansion for the yeah Coco one two Dragon probably three. Don't know, but but why would you need it on a three? Um, no, probably not three. But it implements some of the some of the gimes gimmies with whatever MMU mm-hmm. functionality as well. And he's using that to get uh, Nitros Nine Level Two running, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. You know, I've Yeah. had that on the Dragon before. Neat, very neat. Yeah,
0: I, I hooked up my um, SDC to the um, Dragon, and um, <clears throat> I did the selection selector switch, you know, to make it work on the Dragon, and then I used um, the memory two number two slot on and I got the um, uh, stuff to come up I posted on uh, the Dragon site but um, I couldn't give it any commands is it because I just don't know the syntax uh, you can't just do a dir you have to do do, you do is there some other syntax for getting a directory and loading stuff? oh in yeah on the Cocoa SDC many
17: things are similar so dir, D-I-R is the same command um, yeah, so you've got you've got a Dragon DOS running, and you've mounted a disk, I guess. Using it, whatever the command is for that. Um, yeah, it should work.
0: <laughs> it didn't. I got so some, you
1: some you, you you did the dir minus to see what was on the SD card, and you mounted one of the DSK
0: files into the. I I, I had a. Um, I have the setup, the same setup I have for my Coco, which is full of software, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> in fact, I wanted to run the uh,
1: assembly. Uh, well, the, the disk format is different, though, right, Karen? So you would need to have a Dragon formatted disk image for the Dragon to be able to read it.
17: You would certainly.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah, I have to put another chip in and then
17: set it up for the Dragon. So um, you. So you've already got the what is it, DOS Plus Five or something? Yeah, somebody yeah, yeah,
8: right.
17: So so that's got all the the Cocoa SDC gubbins all added to it. But yeah, you'll you'll just need some Dragon format uh, disk image files, you know, like .dsk or .vdks. So um, that's
0: where I was going wrong. I was trying to uh, mess with uh, Cocoa stuff in the Dragon, and it doesn't work.
17: Yeah, they're nicely incompatible in that respect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nicely incompatible.
0: Well, I and, could see that right away, and I thought, um,
1: yeah. well, unless we're doing your hybrids, Kieran. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a British computer, so it's, it's very polite when it's incompatible. Pardon me, but that just won't work here. <laughs> ah, that's, uh, there you go. Problem solved. And now,
17: this message. Hi, I'm Kieran Unskam, author of x and your brain is resolving sensory input into Cocoa talk.
7: What's going on, everybody? The Original Gamer Stevie Stro here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy color computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A,
1: coconut.com. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Coco forever, people. So, so the question is, again, if you just got a Cocoa, what are the must-have things? I think everybody agrees that the Cocoa SDC is the must-have accessory. Uh, what else? If you were starting from scratch or you were going to recommend somebody to get a Cocoa, what would you recommend they get for it?
3: The, the next and one
1: I would flash. recommend is maximum RAM upgrade for whatever model you have. Okay. I heard something about a Flash at the same time. Was somebody else saying something about a Flash?
13: Yes, Cocoa Flash.
1: Coco Flash, which is similar but different than the Coco SDC, right? You want to give a short... spin I don't know if you can ever um, explain anything briefly, David, but try.
13: <laughs> well, basically, the Coco Flash is what the Coco SDC is for floppies, but the Coco Flash is for cartridges. Yes. So therefore, you just put your cartridge images onto the Coco Flash, and you pu- and Barry's, Barry and his daughter did a nice job on getting the UI um, I haven't been able to get images loaded on yet because I don't know where to get the utility to do it yet there you go. but yeah it's uh, but the menu is nice you know you turn it on it, it presents you a menu you select the rom and you start it's it's very nice so and it also has the orchestra 90 decks in it too so it makes having that piece of hardware combined in one piece of
1: hardware at night. Yeah, when we talk about future hardware projects, if we were going to get into a wish list, it would be nice if there was a second generation Cocoa SDC that would incorporate a handful of these newer technologies that are on the cusp, like, you know, audio chips and the Cocoa DAC and anything else we want to put in there, because um, yeah, one of the things that Grant mentioned is Grant says, I got the multi-pack, and if you're not familiar with the multi-pack, it's kind of a sidecar you snap into your cartridge slot and it gives you a four-slot expansion bus for your cocoa because we got to the point where we needed more things. Um, it would be nice to not rely on those. Um, now, Ed Snyder has the mini MPI, which is available, and, and I think it's about $80 for the, the product and, and the 3D printed case, which is not bad. Um, real MPIs are a little bit more scarce to find. They they sell for usually $100, maybe a little bit more when you come across them. Um, but if we could reduce the dependency on those and have a more multi-utility cartridge that would be kinda cool that opens up a whole other can of worms because then you are gonna say well what sound chip are we gonna use and what are we gonna do for this and what are we gonna do for that but it would be nice to say okay because here's what's happening right now and it's already it's already floating around Facebook people have decided I'm gonna start putting games and I think Nick Marentis mentioned this too I'm gonna put his new game on an SD card he's not even gonna put it on a CD because you can make an SD self-executing you just and they have all these little labels they are putting on Facebook right now these nice little cool labels that look like ROM cartridge labels you can stick on the SD card stick it in That's your cocoa, I'm do with mine too yeah stick it in the cocoa SDC and poof it boots so we have the ability to have self-executing SD cards SD cards are reasonably priced um, and so now, the Coco SDC could be this super utility cartridge if we could throw in, you know, uh, digital. Audio and and music synthesis into one cart um, that would be really cool. Uh, I don't know what the future generations of Coco SDC will have, but that would be, in my opinion, a must must-have uh, hardware accessory. You know.
3: Yeah, we definitely want to start getting the hardware projects to future-proof a bit, like allow expandability. It's kind of like Disto did back with the Super Controllers, where they added that little mini bus, and mm-hmm. then they could add two and one, three and one, four and one cards. You could add all kinds of different hardware, and I think we have to start taking the same approach here where you can expand on it without having to replace the whole thing every time.
1: No, that doesn't add any layer of complexity to designing a circuit board or a case or anything, does it? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I'm not a hardware guy, so it
3: doesn't concern me whatsoever. So,
8: <laughs>
3: what are the three I words? Mean, I mean, the Coco SDC partly went there on the software side because it is yeah. flashable on your ROMs. It's flashable yeah. even on the, you know, the the internal programming as well, and that that has helped future proof it. We've been able to add streaming and you know other functionality. And I think we need to you know try to design projects somewhat with that in mind instead of saying, here's a fixed thing. I'm just going to do that, and then a year later it's like, oh geez i wish i'd put this on there too
1: well i think there's three words that can best describe this and what are those three words nick (laughs) parentis Ease
6: of use.
1: <laughs> That's what the cocoa needs, is ease of use. Um, uh, so Curtis mentioned adding the maximum RAM. Um, so when you, if you're, if you're able to find a cocoa 3, chances are it's going to be the stock 128K. Um, what do you, And if, if this is your first cocoa 3, you're going to be happy to have it. And what would you say percentage-wise if you only have 128K Coco 3, what percentage of Cocoa games could you run? Would that be somewhere in the 80% range, do you think? If you're counting Coco 1 and 2, I'd say probably in the 90s. Well, I'm talking about Coco 3-specific
3: games. Exclusive? Yeah. Um exclusive Yeah. Yeah, you're probably about right on the 80, but if you want to play the current best games yes, and almost right, all right. new ones, well, then it mm-hmm. start shifting more towards the 512K side. Right, right, Plus, right. Uh, yeah.
10: OS 9 is not that great, 128K either, from what I've seen, so... Ease no. of use. <laughs>
3: <laughs> On one twenty-eight K, you have you know you have trouble even getting ease of boot. Ease right.
8: Of...
7: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I and think, I think a Tandy Deluxe joystick is a good thing to have too. Okay, I have going to be my suggestion. Two of well. them, and no. I have one for sale too.
1: If only there was a hardware accessory that would allow us to plug in Sega and Atari-style digital joysticks to our Coco. <laughs> yeah, yeah and
10: then you don't yeah. you don't get the analog piece then, yeah. which is kind of yeah. cool for some stuff though.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. It, it's also though. I mean, there's other alternative joysticks, even analog, that were available. And I know like Nick much prefers some of the other ones. He's not a big fan of the deluxe joysticks. So I guess it depends what you could find.
10: Mm-hmm. It, what I would, also, would I would also okay. say for the uh, Color Computer 3, in my my opinion, you want to definitely look again get an RGB solution, because unless you're doing specific artifacting games, I think the RGB output is just superior to what you're going to get otherwise. Yes, I can agree Inver-
1: that. Composite or RF out, for example, yeah. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Um, memory upgrades are becoming a little bit easier now. Uh, the memory upgrade in general on the Cocoa 3 is not terrible. If you have the normal, like the Cloud9 um, uh, triad board, it's a fairly easy thing to put into place. So even if you're not a hardware guru, if if I tell you it's easy, then it's easy because I'm not a retro hardware guy. Um, but yeah, putting in RAM. Grant, you, you upgraded your RAM, right?
12: Yes, I did. It was and, super easy. And was that one of your first hardware projects? Yes, it was.
1: Yeah. My first hardware project was actually just swapping out the PAL chip on the um, on the Multipack, which was, you know, real easy to do. But, you know, I was, uh, in my previous life when Nacoco was new, the hardware was a mysterious, intimidating thing to me. I knew nothing about it as, as a young person. I didn't get into hardware until we got into the PCs, and at that point, it's just snapping cards into a slot, and when they go bad, you throw that card out, you snap in a new card. Um, Retro Innovations, Jim Brain saying RAM is a, is a must-have, except and, and and he has lots of RAM options for us coming down the pike. Um, the, um, the, the new Cocoa 3 memory option is, will plug right into the socket of your uh, of your gimme chip. And it becomes completely passive. And you don't have to do any soldering or desoldering. And that's a very cool product that uh, hopefully we'll see soon. Uh, he's also looking at the mini uh, Coco MEM, which will add memory to the uh, Coco. Uh, one and two and, and, and what is that going to bring it to 64k or higher I think uh, he's going up to 512k with an okay up to 512k using. on a Cocoa one or two with MMUs uh, yeah Richard Lorbieski is saying a 6309 upgrade is a nice thing to have but again that is that's slightly invasive to do it's definitely nice to have but if you're not hardware capable you might want to come to Cocoa Fest or Tandy Assembly and have that done by a professional um, but much agreed that is that's a good thing uh um, what about other, like, cartridge add-ons? What what do you guys think? Like, uh, if you could get a speech sound pack, is it worth getting that? Um, anything else you can think of? Value-added things that don't require soldering or surgery to the cocoa?
8: Hmm.
1: I, I guess it depends no. on what. I mean, sound speech
3: pack is... Is cool, but there's a very limited set of games that use it. As yeah, I think mm-hmm. discover- I think something
10: like that is only if you're like collecting. You might grab one It's just to have one, but mm-hmm. for usability, I don't think you use them. I, I know I've never, I've never thought I want to get one to do this. Like I've never had a a need to have one of those cards. So. Right. Yeah,
7: I think everything I gotta, that we've shared so far is a really good be you know beginner startup
1: or whatever. Right. You know what I'm saying.
12: Well, what about a floppy?
1: Uh, David Ladd, you want to take this one? No. <laughs> <laughs> and here comes the four-hour show.
13: No, actually, as far as floppy goes, um, the SDC, there's SDC, most people have already got most of the copy-protected games in SDF images already, so the Coco SDC covers that. So yeah. Yeah. You know, The only
3: time I would recommend getting a real floppy is if you have some old real floppy disks you want to get stuff off of. If you're if you're coming into the retro computing brand new and you don't have any existing Cocoa software, as David mentioned, most of the stuff is already on the archive, etc. There's there's no point in getting the real floppy.
10: Yeah, I have I, I picked up four of them for cheap from uh, I forget where it was anymore anymore, but uh, yeah, I hardly use mine at all for anything because like like Curtis said, if you don't have existing Uh, software for some reason you want to use it or that Mm -hmm. you can't transfer or whatever, then yeah, it's much simpler just to slap in the STC and use that. Mm
13: -hmm. Yeah, for me, the only reason why I still pretty much use the floppy floppy drives is because when you deal with the MAME development team, you have to be able to test it with real hardware. Because if you can't test it there, they'll ask you, did you test this as on real hardware? Mm -hmm. If you say no, then they won't even bother checking it until you've actually been able to verify it with real hardware. So, it's one of those things.
1: <laughs> Simon's holding up a floppy drive right now. We're seeing the innards of a floppy. So, yeah. <clears throat> half height by the looks of it. Yeah, Back when I was a kid,
10: this is that's what we a, had. Yeah. Fangled <laughs> half heights.
3: Simon, yeah. do you have a full height one to show off? No, I don't
1: actually. <laughs>
10: <laughs> <I> Neat. <knew. laughs>
0: And now that we've got
3: Jim my... Brain on, too, I was uh, just going to say, is there any updates you'd like to give us on the uh, memory upgrades you're doing, how they're progressing?
18: This oh, hold on here. I was on mute. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I have it uh, at the show. I was trying to get it to boot Nitrous 9, so that is done. Um, so it is booting Nitrous 9 and works up to 2 meg. And uh, I guess I'm waiting on you, Curtis, because I need somebody to test with a no-can board um, and get me an SDC image so I can try it here for for above two meg. Wow. Okay, and,
3: and, and are you are we sh- are you kind of holding at the what, eight meg level? Is that what you're planning on? Or
18: I think um, like I think you'd send an email or something. You'd responded on in chat or whatnot, but um, I definitely will have the finished boards populated to eight meg. Because as you said, it's cheapest to go at that rate. It's like five dollars or something for eight meg of RAM. Wow. Um, Yeah. So, and the price starts, and and after that, the price goes up linearly. So, if you want sixteen meg RAM, then it's ten dollars. It's I guess six dollars for eight meg RAM. It's twelve dollars for for sixteen, and so forth. But for things before that. I like four meg is like five dollars five dollars for four mega ram and it's six dollars for eight meg ram so it makes more sense to go sure. to the eight meg spot because you only have to pay an extra buck um, I told some folks of the show I might design uh, the board to have more footprints on it so that for the chips, so that you could go up to 32 meg um, or 16 meg or 32 meg or whatever but uh, but I probably won't populate those just because I think right now you know eight meg is like you said it's two meg of nitristine and and 6 meg of, of, of RAM disk or whatnot. Um, beyond that, I, I just don't know what folks are going to use. And right now, 8 meg is really 8 meg because it's just cheapest to put that much on the board, right? It's, it's cheaper than putting 2 meg on the board. In fact, it's I think 2 meg, I figured out, was like $8 to put 2 meg chips on the board. And wow. it was five, $6 to put 8 meg chip on the board. So.
3: Yeah, that's definitely the sweet spot. Seems to be the eight meg, and mm-hmm. and then the nice thing about the eight meg is that there actually is drivers already done, so you don't have to worry about the software side. Uh, there, there, mm-hmm. there is RAM disk drivers that work with it already. So,
18: yep, yep. Right now, I just need to get a. I need to get a. I mean, David sent me a uh, SDC um, image for Nitrous Nine that purports to work with a uh, with a two meg RAM disk, which is. Which is what I would have on my four mag test board, Um, but he doesn't really have a way to test it. He doesn't have a no cam board, and so I need to find somebody who can verify that it absolutely does work. And then I'm gonna, because I hate to debug something that's that's not not working in the first place. Yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah, Dave, do you want to send me that same disk image, and I'll this next week. I actually should have time to actually fire
1: it back up
13: again and give it a try. Yeah, remind me after the show.
1: Right, 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 right. Well, it's really neat that you're working on that stuff, Jim, and it's, it makes hardware upgrading a little bit easier. Um, not that the 512K is a terribly complex Process of all the various upgrades, but like one of the things you mentioned in your write-up is that you could always return to stock, and you don't have to mm. really compromise anything of the system. So that kind of graceful entry and uh, removal, if necessary, is is a nice feature for an upgrade. I don't think um, you know not all not all options are that graceful and that clean. So that's a that's a very cool design when possible. Um, ease of use. Ease of use, as Nick Marintis yeah. puts it. Yeah. Well, so, if, you, if
3: anybody's ever done the one or two meg upgrades from Disto before, that's not a simple process. I'm soldering <laughs> a 40 pin header right the, onto your CPU and plugging a dat board and right. And the I, wire over to the one meg board and it's, I it's think I
1: discovered easy. that on, on the, on the cocoa three that I got from Neil Blanchard when we, you guys had, we were troubleshooting why I went and turn on and we swapped CPUs and I looked at the legs and the legs looked like they had solder, you know, residue on them and stuff. So it may have had a former Disto on it before Neil, um, sold it off and stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah it, it does leave scars on the machine. So um, this is a very clean, um, you know, minimal invasive way to do things. Yeah. No soldering
3: uh, required, which is a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, right, right.
18: Because I'm mm-hmm. lazy.
1: <laughs> you know the, here's the here's the irony of and brendan says he has to go thanks for being here brendan glad to have you yep. the irony thanks, of the man. irony of being lazy is it takes a lot of work to get to that point you got to yeah. put a lot of design effort to make something simple you know, yeah. if you were really lazy it would be a crappy design
8: that's
18: right that's right <laughs> it was it was kind of an you know i i got to the show and i just got in the unit working and um one person said well does it boot you know the inevitable question right does it boot o's oh, nine I said, well, I don't know. I just got it working on Wednesday, so you know, I, I, I just decided I'd bring it here. I mean, I I literally drove out to head on my way to Ohio on Thursday night. So Wednesday night was the last night that I could do any work on the unit before I had to pack it up. And I said it was working. I think it was working Tuesday night, and I cleaned up some stuff on it on when Wednesday just a little bit. But I didn't have time to break it open, really do a bunch of testing on it, and um, I didn't have a. I hadn't even looked for a, a Nitrous 9 disc yet. So, anyway, I get to the show. Somebody asks a question. I start trying it out. It's not working, and I'm thinking, I mean, it works in 512K mode, but it doesn't work in 2-meg mode, and so I'm kind of debugging and whatnot and what's really annoying about debugging these things is you're assuming that's going to be something really arcane like you know you've way down deep in the in the electronics you've done something strange and and it's going to cause a problem in the end i got the unit back here i hooked it up to my big logic analyzer that's only available here at the house and so i'm doing all this stuff and and i'm thinking that context switching is what the problem is. So every time a nitrogen switches to a new task, I'm thinking that's issue. And I'm seeing on the scope or on, on the logic analyzer, it's working fine. But I'm just kind of looking at stuff, trying to figure out what's going on. And then I'm just looking at the code. And I realize that, um, I, it's the, it's the inevitable, um, uh, you know, decimal to, to, to or metric, to imperial conversion type issue or whatnot. Um, there's a, there's a special page in memory that the, that the gimme sets up so that you can share it among all of the places. And it's supposed to be 256 bytes in size. And so the, 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 uh, prefix for it is FE. It's the FE page in memory. And, and somehow I, had, right. that's right. And so I had, I had somehow gotten in my head that that was FFE hmm. and that it was only 16 bytes in size. So I was starving Nitrous Nine, trying to get it to share only 16 bytes of memory in the entire space, and so I changed that. It was like one line change, and all of a sudden, Nitrous Nine boots up. So <laughs> kind of annoying that you you spend like I don't know how many hours of the show I spent debugging it, and how many hours you know Monday or Tuesday, most of Monday night and Tuesday night debugging, and then all of a sudden, you know, it was just some stupid thing where if I'd have read the manual a little more cleanly, then I wouldn't have had this problem in the first place. So anyway. <laughs> It's good to know it's working.
3: And that's And cool. then you had the video RAM, I think, too, was the other issue, wasn't it? Uh,
18: well, video RAM was before. That was what I set the, you know, I, I think I told a number of people this, and I told them at the show, but I had the unit built for Cocoa Fest, right? I was going to show it off at Cocoa Fest. I'm thinking, you know, it's a pretty simple idea, and I'll just kind of throw it together and, and everything. And I got it booted up, and it had all these crazy characters on the screen. And I just, you know, at some point when you're, you're right, Steve, you get lazy and whatnot, but then you get frustrated and then you're like, I didn't want to necessarily really throw the, the cocoa three across the room. But, um, but I just kind of pushed it away and I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to work on this. And so I basically just didn't even look at the project for, well, six months or a little less than six months. Cause that's how long it was between Cocoa Fest and Tandy Assembly. Um, and so I worked on, I decided I must be not intelligent enough to, to do a gimme, uh, you know, to hook into the gimme, so I um, thought, you know what, maybe I'll try to do a smaller, maybe I'll try to reduce my my scope and just do a MMU for the Cocoa 1 and 2. I'd popped open my Cocoa 1 and realized that it had a socketed CPU, so I thought, well, I'll try something there, maybe I can at least figure out how to do the MMU there. And so I built a board and I put it together and just in no time at all I had it working and I'm thinking, well this just this this is easy. It it should be just <laughs> as easy on the Coco Three and so that's when I decided I'd go back to the project and get it working and still a couple days. It took me a couple days to, to figure out what was really going on and again like Curtis says it was it was something crazy stupid. It was just you look at it for a while and you just don't see the obvious stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, force for the trees thing.
18: That's yeah. right. That's right. Call, call, talk. Will
13: Hello, I am David Ladd, and you are watching Coco Talk, the nation's leading live Coco Podcast.
1: Hey, what's going on everybody? It's me, it's Original Gamer Stevie Stro. You know, gameplay. To get
7: your copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD today, head on over to 8Bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring color computer gameplay videos by the original gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8Bit256.com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you.
1: Ease of use. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, we have uh, Ron. Did you want to show some stuff off? Yeah, but we haven't had
0: a commercial in. Uh, we, a long... we yeah. We're,
1: <clears throat> I'm not worried about commercial. This is a special episode. I'll put commercials in for the podcast, so I'm not <laughs> worried about that. I also I didn't want this show to go super duper long today. We've now just hit two hours or so, so I would like to wrap it up in a little bit. But I want to hit Ron's garage, and we also I want to show off Simon's demo. If you still have time for that, Simon. I'm fine. Fine. Okay, so I uh, just wanted to make sure you still had your, you still wanted wanted to show us something, Ron, because if you want, we'll go ahead and we'll jump in and we'll do a little Ron's Garage segment, and then we'll look okay. at Simon's demo. If that works for you? Yep. All right, so let me uh, let me get this going here. Let's get the uh, full professional introduction here going. So hold on, just a second here all right everybody sit back and enjoy the soothing sounds of ron's garage anyways we're going to take a look at ron's garage a peek into the past featuring the retro computing collection of ron delvo take it away ron
12: all
0: right
1: i do like that announcer it's not bad right he's sober today it's hard to, it's hard to get this guy uh so
0: <laughs> Ron, battery all right Let's see how it goes um, I don't know right here if you can see, this is the uh, Tandy 2000 motherboard. Let's see, I guess I'll put it over here. No! Oh, wow. Look at that. Can you see it?
1: Right now I see your beard. Okay, hold on. Wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. I see some chips. We see some chips. I see chips. Yeah, okay, we're seeing it, yep. I see chips, I see what looks like a CPU or heat sink or something in there, a chipset, yeah, that looks like the CPU in the dead center there.
0: I'm wondering if that's it. Yeah, it looks like a CPU. That's the 8186, then, if it is? (laughs) Yeah, 8186. Look at all the memory on the daughter card.
1: The good old days of those RAM chips, yeah. Yeah,
0: there's a couple of. uh, ROMs in there too.
1: Now, why is the motherboard out? Is this machine non-functional at the moment? or Are you just showing us? Yeah, you are yeah.
0: apart so we could uh, show it.
1: Okay, and we did see one of these at the uh, at the assembly. Uh, these are these are fairly uncommon machines, right?
0: Here's the. Um, I don't know. Can you see this? Yeah, I see the screen. Yeah. Is a, a boot up of a real one. Okay. You mean an operational? I turned one. it on about ten seconds before the monitor comes.
1: Here, here you go. It's coming up.
0: Yeah. It's a high resolution monitor. Yeah, it is. It Says uh, color monitor CM. software is 2.11 211 yeah, That's just to show it works I don't have a keyboard hooked up to it so. Um, next thing is i got a Tandy 1000 over here
1: With Deskmate Deskmate, yes
8: <laughs>
1: Software that changed the industry
0: <laughs> and it has uh, a couple of joysticks plugged yeah, in.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Cocoa joysticks, yeah. I remember the old coily phone keyboard um, cable.
0: And then um, over here we have uh, Tandy, uh, 1200 HD.
1: Running. Amber, that's the XT compatible, yeah. huh? Look at that with the hard drive inside it. Look at that amber we screen. It's uh, that-
0: called QDOS 3 running on it.
1: Oh, wow.
0: I have a fan that's making a lot of noise
1: so i turn it off that amber screen really really brings back memories yeah i used to run yeah. my hercules card on that sharp and clear
0: yeah.
1: it is it's super sharp yeah this was like the high end because you know when, when monochrome and green screens were were commonplace the amber screen was one that was supposed to look a little sharper and have a little bit less eye strain on it um and it was and just,
0: full height drive.
1: yeah look at that that is nice that is a gorgeous machine.
0: And that's uh, my peak for my professional
5: programming job.
1: Who was just saying that? No, sorry. Uh, here. Okay. That's a neat machine.
0: We have a Model 1.
1: Yeah, and you had just put an ad. You put an ad in a few of the Facebook groups showing the full page Radio Shack ad of that XT system. And um, how Tandy was saying, it's compatible right. with the PC XT. Yeah. yeah, I love that Model 1. That looks good.
0: I have a, a memory upgrade module I want to try for it sometime. It has, um, I think it brings it to 48K. Mm. And then next we have a Model 3.
1: And this is like a little mini Tandy assembly in Ron's garage here. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I don't know how well you can see it, but yeah, we can see it. Trying to look from the top. Anyways, it works perfectly. It has. Uh, you can hear the drive wearing does it with,
1: Does it run? Uh, does it run OS nine? <laughs> yes, it does.
0: Uh, and it has ease of use. Ease of use. <laughs> And here I have a 64K Model
1: 4. Oh, sexy. Look at that thing.
0: And I changed have, from gray to white. You have, have a green
1: uh, green, screen. green screen. Yeah, I kind of like, I'm kind of nostalgic for the black and white screens on some of the earlier TRS 80s.
0: Well, I do have one over here that's 128K and oh. it has a black and white screen.
1: Who could ever need that much memory? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yeah, I like, that's nice, that's a nice looking machine, looks really clean too.
0: Yep, it is, it's in great shape. And it's then amazing. over here, I have a Model 4P. Nice, that's what that's what I saw
1: the uh, Tris vid on, yeah, that's that's a neat looking machine. And that one's green, That right? little
3: slot was cool.
1: Almost like it has a uh, pseudo Tandy 1000 uh, keyboard to it, looking thing there.
0: It has uh, two half height drives in it.
1: Neat. Neat.
12: Now, can you get that through TSA?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyways, uh, then I have this little baby over here. Neat. That's up? That's Are neat. Two hundred or? It's a um, Tandy eleven hundred FD floppy drive.
1: Ah. Uh, oh, so
3: that's one of the, uh, the, the PC DOS ones, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just a little bitty thing. That's uh, I neat. So I only have one hand. Yeah, that's this neat. This is um, the 2000 over here. that's okay. all taken apart, and um, the drives in it are, are uh, they're high high density. Okay. 700K, 700 something K. There's two of them that go in it. The, uh, when you open the case on a 200, on a 2000, there's no. Um, there's no motherboard showing. The motherboard fits underneath. Huh. Let's see if I yeah. can show...
15: <sighs> yeah, in the 2000s, yep, they were actually when... called uh, Quad Density. They were
1: made by Mitsubishi. Oh, Quad Density, he says, Ron.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, if you can see, there's um, a date under there. 816.84. Mm. Oh, wow. And I got this PC for... Um, five dollars as is wow see that
1: a model 2000 for five dollars
0: yeah that was back in the day wow anyway that's about it guys we have
1: uh it's
0: up and running
1: it's tandy assembly all over again yeah we've just eased the blues a little bit
0: full of stuff tandy
3: assembly arizona version
1: yeah yeah you you never so cease to amaze there,
0: if we have it out here um i could have half the place populated with computers
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have it at your garage what are we talking yeah, about yeah
3: <laughs> don't even have to rent a venue just
1: ron's garage fest <laughs> head order for ron and a barbecue <laughs> yeah, bring the cold beer
15: say, if i if i go to ron's house i'm going to bring a u-haul
1: <laughs> yeah right right. Well Richard had Richard showed us. Oh what else we got here? Hold on, this in a second. Um, what is that, Ron?
0: This is the insides of a Tandy twelve hundred.
1: Oh wow! Look at those cards, ISO slots, long cards. Oh man, relics, relics from days gone past. Yeah, that's neat.
0: Yeah, got a um, uh, a uh, Seagate drive in it.
1: Ah, wow. It's amazing that these old hard drives still spin up because a new hard drive, you're lucky to think lasts three years. And you got these 30 year old hard drives that still boot up.
0: This this machine here um, doesn't boot up because uh, uh, I think the power supply is bad, but uh hard drive works and everything else works in it. Neat. Is, is that MFM or an RL hard drive? All right,
1: that's it. Hey, Ron, I don't know if you heard the question, but Simon Thanks, was asking, guys. is that MFM or RLL on that hard drive?
10: MFM. MFM. Okay. Yeah, I got one of those in my uh, 1000TX. I got for cheap on eBay. Neat. Works great.
0: The um, the first uh, 1100 HD or 1200 HD is a uh, mini-scribe 10, giga- 10 gigabyte, not megabyte.
1: Neat. Neat. Um, when we were heading towards the lobby, I think it was Sunday night. Richard says, "Yeah, take a peek in here and look at my version of Ron's garage." And Richard had so much stuff in his hotel room. He had some Model Threes in there. He just had just tons of stuff in his in his hotel room. And and of course, Mike Brant, um, who um, you know, I think he will uh, appear on an episode of Hoarders at one point in time. But um, <laughs> Mike saw his uh, some of his screens. What was that? The the uh, new inbox, the NEC screens that are that are backwards compatible with the 15 yeah the NEC 71 v yeah yeah so he's like oh you got one of those i'll take one of those so we're like on our way to the lobby and he stops by richard's room and says okay well, i gotta buy one more thing yeah.
15: <laughs> yeah my biggest problem was is i didn't anticipate that the upgrade table would take so much space and i only had one table so i didn't have enough room to display anything so yeah. I, I so at coco fest i'm gonna get three tables so oh
1: wow prepared. Holy crap get your tables and get them early before Richard takes them all people <laughs> or he all takes right. over the whole hall yeah um uh, John John you still there John Linville? I see his picture or maybe somebody else might be able to answer this too if anybody's been to a VCF um and has anybody been to one of those and tried to get a table and what are the costs compared to like some of the bigger events
11: I've been to i use I exhibit at VCF
1: Okay.
18: So which VCF? <laughs>
1: well, I don't know any of them. I've never been to any, so Here's but I mean did, com- compared sorry, to the, what? Uh sorry. Any, any of them, like a, like so let's say VCF Midwest, which is close to Chicago, right? Or is it
18: Midwest is different. Free? Yeah. They are. They're, the the ex- admission and the tables are free.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's affordable.
18: Yeah. <laughs> but BCF East, which is in New Jersey, that one has a cost. I think it's, um seems like it's 30 or $50 a table.
1: Oh, that's not terrible. I, I was thinking that, you know, Cocoa Fest was really cheap. It was 20 or $30. Tandy Assembly was like $30. So those table prices were very affordable. I was just wondering if some of the bigger events, you know, you're looking at getting into 100 to $150 for a table or more. Uh, I would imagine that's possible on a, on a bigger show. But I don't have any frame of reference for that.
18: I'm not aware of a show that costs that much. I think okay. there's, you know, there's other shows, maybe, um, maybe like some of the Atari shows or whatnot, maybe they have, maybe they have stuff that's expensive like that, but okay. like today is a T8 today is a TI show in Chicago. And I don't think the tables cost anything for that either.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, because somewhere even you know between twenty and fifty dollars for a table, if you're an exhibitor, um, that's reasonable. You know, that's you know, Fest has always been pretty cheap these past couple of years. I was there, um, and Tandy Assembly was very reasonable too. So, um, what? What? So at some point in time now, though, it's like well, these tables, this becomes prime real estate. There's only so many tables you can squeeze into the event now. Do we now have to start picking and choosing who we're going to give a table to and is is it More important to give a table to a different class of exhibit versus the arts and crafts table, or I mean, the, these hard choices need to be made yet, or we find that this may come at some point in time.
18: I don't know about the Cocoa stuff, but <laughs> on the on VCM and Midwest show for VCF, it is they've moved to a larger venue than Cocoa Fest, so okay, Cocoa Fest is at the Lombard, uh, mm. I forget the Heron Point or whatever, but um, they moved to Elk Grove Village and they've Completely filled that bigger venue, and you know that I means it's, it's very well attended. It's great. I mean, it's it's a great problem to have. But you're right. Um, they have for two years now in a row. They've ran out of space probably a month or two, maybe even two and a half months prior to the event. And you know you gotta you you do have to need to pick and choose, right? You want to make sure that in a in a vcf show, you want to make sure that um, you don't have like all of coco Fest's coco's there and nothing from any of the other lines right right it's because you want it to be kind of you know kind of all all encompassing just like Mm -hmm. dandy assembly wanted a mix of cocoa and non you know Mm -hmm. like non cocoa machines um and the other one is anymore um you know people are like for instance even in the cocoa space if Uh, if somebody was to come with a CP1400 and a bunch of bunch of UK or non non-American dragons uh, um, they probably will you know the the people who set up the show probably will want to give that preference over just a bag bank, bank of coco 3s i mean it's not that the coco 3s are bad but they're something we see all the time whereas sure. CP1400 or Or the non-U.S. dragons are extremely rare to be seen in the United States.
3: Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've also got people like you that would be doing upgrades and stuff that they. I figured that would want to be fairly high up on the list too, because (laughs) people are getting stuff done at your table. It's not just for showing off.
1: Yeah.
18: Well, and that's true. And I know Midwest. I mean, you know, not to toot my own horn, but like a couple years ago when they first moved to the new venue, they were going to have it. I remember it was like September 20th or 10th or whatever, and and I said, you know, Jason, Tim, and who runs the show. I said, I I can't go. My son's heading off to college and this will be the first time and we got to help him move in and this is a big traumatic time for the family and so i got to be there and it's that weekend. And so he was like, well, we'll just move the show because we need to have, we (laughs) want to have the vendors. You know, we want to have, there's only so many vendors that come and we want to make sure we accommodate the vendors because that's a big deal. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I didn't ask him to do that, but I'm sure. like, well, if it's, you know, it's real important that you make sure that you have the vendors represented then, and you really want me there, then, yeah, I can't make it this weekend, but I can go the weekend before or after. And so and that's he's cool. like, well, we'll move it. So I think the vendors get a little bit of a a little bit of a buy, like you wouldn't want to have a Cocoa Fest without Mark Marlette there, right? You wouldn't right. want to have that wall of cloud nine. <laughs> right. Um, so there's always somebody that kind of gets a, a buy, and then everybody else kind of needs to fight for tables. Sure. I think it's cool though that it's a, that it's a problem to have because I remember yeah. the first Cocoa Fest I went to was probably 2014 or 2015, and there were a number of tables that were set up down in Heron Point that didn't have anybody exhibiting them. I just sat down and kind of used my computer right there, and I don't think that was possible last year or this wow. year. I don't. Yeah. I think all the tables were used.
12: We'll return after these messages. Hello, my name is Grant Leedy, and thank you for watching the Coco Talk with your host, Stevie Stroh. You got your Coco 3 yet?
1: Hey, what's going on everybody? It's me, it's Original Gamer Stevie Stro.
12: You know, gameplay. To
1: get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD
7: today, head on over to 8Bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring color computer gameplay videos by the original gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8Bit256.com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you
1: yeah so i know john just came in so yeah i was asking a question john about like table prices at different events and i don't know if you had any experience on that
4: no i mean not really. i've exhibited at BCF east um vcf southeast and of course Cocoa fest um uh, i don't remember huge differences in prices um okay they're all kind of in, incomparable ranges, and like I said, sometimes you're going to end this for a or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well that's good. That's good, and I wasn't sure. I just figured
1: it seemed like we were getting a really good deal, and, and and we are. I mean, Cocoa Fest and Tandy Assembly was very affordable to have an exhibit table, um, and I just wasn't curious if that was across the board. It seems like so far it kind of is, which is good. It's good to know because. Um, yeah. If you don't have these exhibitors here, that's the, that's kind of part of the event, you know, so it's, it's You're,
4: n- Some some of the organizers are, are um, Would have preferred that we do it more like VCF Midwest um, But um, as far as what a you know, higher price be, or you know being free, free oh, Okay,
18: okay. See, I'm um, I'm, an, I'm not a I'm not a fan of that at all I've told Jason a long time people need to understand how the VCF show got to be free in the first place Right because the VCF show didn't used to be the VCF show. It used to be a Commodore show, and it still is. You always see it combined. It's called the Emergency Commodore Computer Whatever ECCC. I don't, I don't know what it stands for. And Jay and Jason Compton set it up, and he set it up because the Commodore group in Chicago that had the show just they they weren't going to have another one. And so Jason's like, but I use that as an opportunity. Like you guys all said earlier, I use that as an opportunity to come and see all my friends who are kind of far flung across the United States. This is a time where we can get together and, and get together and and chit chat about things just to have fun times. So he wanted to just have that. And so he just, he just rented the venue at Heron Point himself. And at the time it was really cheap. And then over the last few years, you know, VCF was originally, I think, in Indianapolis or something. And it didn't really it it just kind of fizzled out. And so Jason Timmons said, man, it sure would be nice to have a collective collective computer show in the Chicago area. And so they kind of co-located with VCF. Well, I think Jason was like, hey, this idea Jason has, Jason Compton has real nice where you don't nobody pays anything so like the uh, like john linville was saying earlier people pay money then they feel like they have a right to complain about what's going on at the show so mm. jason compton felt if i did it for free then nobody can complain because they didn't pay squat <laughs> to get here right <laughs> and that's what he that's what he said right so but the key is this since that time the truth kind of has changed because heron point started charging more for their yeah. venue sure and then the the ECC or not ECC, but the Vintage Computer Festival Midwest got big too big to run at the Heron Point anyway, and they needed to find a new venue. Well, this other venue in Elk Grove is a nice venue, but it costs money, and so every year they're kind of relying on donations and whatnot. And I really don't. I mean, it's great, and I'm I'm happy about that. But I think the exhibitors who sit down and go Guatay- Table would easily pay 20 or $30 for the privilege of having a table. And as you said, Steve, at some point, you're going to have to put some price on that, or else people will reserve a table and not really do anything with it. Yeah. You know, they'll say, yeah. Hey, I don't want a table, but then they just put nothing at the table. And you're like, but that table could have shown off a Russian co- uh, Cocoa clone, or it could, you yeah. know, whatever. So, So I think I would not be in favor of doing free shows just because i think it, having the show and having a price tag attached to the table gives people a if if it's only just a nominal amount at least it's a well crap i paid some money for this and so if i don't use this table then i just wasted that money so i need to get my button gear and get my exhibit done and, and get to the show right mm-hmm. so it puts a focus on there or the um the uh, other thing i would say is i think what you're thinking steve is there was a show earlier this year called some sort of ColecoVision show or whatnot,
9: mm-hmm. which was
18: handled very poorly and whatnot. I think those booths were like two or $300 a seat, right? Yeah. It was it's more like a professional venue, and it was a total bust. And yeah, people said, yeah. you know, it would be better to have a kind of homegrown, maybe, maybe it looks a little amateurish on the outside show like, like some of the shows that we're talking about. And have it be nominal prices and people getting together and having a great time as opposed to this really slick commercially produced show with $200 tables and nobody shows up.
1: <clears throat> right.
8: No.
1: Yeah, and, and I think part of the reason why that, too, was how they kind of trashed the community and just went after all of the fan sites and things like that and it did, did yeah. the opposite of what you should do in a community-type yeah. event. Yeah, shot yeah. themselves in the that foot, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was...
18: <laughs> high prices on the show was one of many problems <laughs> yeah and i and you know i
1: feel i felt bad watching the videos for those vendors because they're just sitting there hating life you know and you know it costs them money to be there not not only the two hundred dollars for the table but whatever cost to travel there and pack up all your stuff and yeah that had to be is horrible um, i
4: spent hours consoling uh, sophie reynolds it was, it was <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we, we had just recently been joined by john strong of strong where how are you john we're at the tail end yeah. of the show. Yeah, i
12: uh
11: hanging in there. Just so good,
1: good, good. I'm going to get ready to fire up Simon's demo here. I need to see where I saved uh, Simon's disk. <coughs> I, I downloaded your disk. Okay, it's called Assembly Disk. So we're going to show off Simon Jonasson's uh, Tandy Assembly demo. Now, I have not put my Coco back together, so I'm going to be running this on uh, XRoar, which was Karen's... Uh, emulator uh, one of the greatest emulators currently in development for the color computer and dedicated solely to the color computer so um, we're going to take a look at Simon's demo here real quick let me uh, t- make sure you use, make sure you use NTSC
11: because
1: <laughs> otherwise the timing's wrong okay I need so to we'll- do a
19: power version for the UK guys mm-hmm
1: so the machine right now is Tandy N T S C. Yes. Okay. So I just load loader bin. Oh.
19: What disc have you got? You've got the wrong disk.
1: Uh whatever you whatever you sent me in uh Facebook earlier, I thought. Maybe I pulled the wrong one. Wasn't it called assembly.disk? Uh well, I do
19: let me have a look. Just one moment. Uh,
17: yes.
1: Yeah that uh, you can try it. Okay, if the one you sent me in the Facebook message was called um, well, we'll find out here in just a second, huh? Yeah, you'll you'll find out fast enough. Mm, let's see.
19: I've got another version of that.
4: Things or...
0: Is this the end of the demo or something else coming up? Control it off. Okay. And by the way, I had muted Skype before because I was getting some feedback. Control the horizontal, control the vertical. Yeah. (laughs) Control it off.
1: It's getting a little loud in my ears. I'm going to turn it down for a second.
19: It's just reset, it, control on.
1: Oh, so I, c- I couldn't hear it. Was that the end of the demo? Yes. Oh, OK. I got gotcha. you. I thought something else was going to happen. All yeah. right. I, did, I, cool. I didn't
19: have time. Something should have happened, but I didn't have time.
1: Ah, OK. OK. Very cool. Very, very cool. That's cool, Simon. Um, excellent, excellent, excellent. And um, so w- what you said in the beginning there, with the with the nice fancy fonts and stuff, but this is your first full demo, and you said like twenty years. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I, I've done all
19: these parts before, but I've never mm. actually put them into into one big piece, which was my intention all along. Uh huh. And I've never really done a mega demo since the C64, which is which is over twenty years ago. So
1: neat. Well, I'm glad we got to see it. We've been seeing bits and pieces of it as you've been teasing it on Facebook with little clips, and then we got to see it at Tandy Assembly, and it's kind of cool that you made that uh, kind of the uh, Tandy demo, and it was very cool. I like that. Good job, mate. Thank you.
3: Now, Simon, you you mentioned that you didn't quite finish it because you didn't have time. Do you still plan to add more to it and re-release it in your quote-unquote full version, or are you pretty well done with this and on to the next project? Uh, well,
19: actually, I, Steve, you got the wrong disc, because I, I done a, I done a release version today. Okay, well, send me another one, because that's, that's what I got from you on Facebook, dude. I need to, I need to work on the end part, because the television shouldn't carry on forever, it should actually just, it should carry on for a little bit, and then flicker an alien head, and something like that. We are controlling transmission. Then just reset your machine.
1: Oh, neat! <laughs>
19: Very cool. So, I'm working. I'm working on doing a well, totally wicked Coco three demo instead. So, oh, that'll be cool to see. Yeah, it's like well, yeah, we 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 knocked uh, we knocked uh, Coco two for six, so we might as well knock the Coco three for six as well.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. And your your partner in crime is here, Paul, and he, uh, he he did a little demo with the color palette flipping thing that said, hi, Simon, did you see that one he put out there? Yeah, because I was actually talking to him
19: about, about splitting the screen or actually you know, changing colors on a timeline, uh-huh. line yeah. or whatever. And yeah, uh, once he finally got what I was talking about, because we talked about it for a certain amount of time, once he finally got what I was talking about, Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, Oh, here you go. Here's a greeting to my mentor. That's very cool.
7: We got some crazy ideas going on with that, too, but we can discuss those at a later time. Yes, (laughs) yes.
1: Well,
19: this is the world of mad, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Crazy ideas are some of the best ideas out there.
7: Well, it has a lot to do with, like, making a behind-the-car type of racing game. Um, Ah. Very cool. Yeah, we're just kind
1: of brainstorming and on that right now. That's it. Really. Yeah. That's an, that's an outrun type thingy. Neat, 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 neat. Uh, uh, abusing
19: hardware for for not having to for not having to process as much.
1: Well, David lag it's a lot of abuse, so it's nice to take some of that off of him and put it on the hardware for a change. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, very good. So, John Strong, you were attending uh, a family uh, wedding during Tandy assembly, correct? Yes. Yeah, and despite despite the best intentions, there was no chance of getting him to reschedule that wedding by any, by any chance, right? So. <laughs>
11: No, and uh, (laughs) she had a great
12: wedding.
1: That's great. That's great.
12: And uh, thank you, John, and everybody who put on the 10-day assembly. Uh, I missed it, but uh, thanks for supporting the community.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And uh, John T. Robs, you've been pretty quiet. You still there, John? Yep, I'm good all right and so did you get a chance to catch any of the live stream or any of the replays uh, of t-
5: no not yet uh i uh, spent the last week or so in mexico
1: oh ah, uh, so, okay
5: so, uh, that's that's why i missed candy assembly and okay uh, i will definitely plan to be there next year
1: excellent you didn't get montezuma's revenge or anything from mexico did you
5: no, I just tripped on the way out of the hotel <laughs> and splainted on the concrete.
1: Ouch. <laughs> ouch. We don't want to do that. that explains uh, the lack of video. So, John, we, we we've started brainstorming and we're not going to reveal too much, but just the general topic which we can talk about, you know, we've been teasing and toying with the idea of some type of oh, Florida Well, for right now, we'll call it the Florida Gathering, right? Because there's got to be at least a half a dozen coconuts in the state of Florida. So, um, you know, to organize something on the scale of Tandy Assembly, it's it's a pretty big project. But we should try for a weekend to get some Florida folks together. But I'm thinking besides just that, we we, we might have the potential to make a bigger event at some point in time and and, uh, maybe have a reason to draw some people down here to the Sunshine State. But um, what are your thoughts on getting some Florida coconuts together? I'm sorry?
5: Um, I would love to help out with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I think we need, uh, you know, the, the, now the, the calendar is going to become crowded because whatever we're going to do, you got to try to pace it between, you know, Cocoa Fest and Tandy Assembly and things like that. But if it's just us Florida folks, we could work it out. But I would love to see... Uh, at least an annual or semi-annual event of a slightly larger scale in Florida because it's a beautiful it's a beautiful spot and you do it in Orlando it's in halfway through the state there's international airports there's attractions for the families to do let the wife and kids go to Disney World while we geek out things like that so I think the potential is there it's uh, we got we got to do a, a dry run on just uh, you know get the band together type thing but it might be neat to have another another little, you know, retro gathering. I, I don't know if Florida is big enough to support a uh, cocoa-only event, you know, or not. Uh, you know, I guess we'll have to put some feelers out for that. Maybe it needs to be a little bit more retro generic to have a little bit bigger appeal. But we'll, we'll see. I know we, talked about, we talked about this uh, over dinner, right, when we were at the German restaurant after cocoa, Fest, we were talking about doing a, some type of Florida gathering. You know, there's there's there's, there's a handful of us here so
16: okay sounds great
1: yeah 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 yeah.
16: hey this is bruce moore author of force of doom and you're watching the original gamer stevie stroke so i says if you think he's so grand why don't you have him over for dinner (laughs) the wizard for dinner (laughs) that's so funny Did you fellas see that lad who came in about quarter past? Yeah, I see him. Kid was all fired up saying someone lifted his money and wanted to know who it was. Looking for the bandits. (laughs) That's so funny. Liable to get his throats cut, he keeps talking like that. Yeah, get his throat cut. (laughs) I think that lad is going to try to recover the king's scepter. The king's scepter? From the wizard? In the middle of the forest of doom? That poor bug will be lucky if being robbed is all that happens to him. Yeah, lucky! Ha 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 There's something different about this one, though. Different? Bah, I should rob him again myself. Get a few lads and follow him in a ways. Yeah, follow him in and rob him! Ha <laughs> ha I'm not so sure you want to be doing that now, Bill. Did you see that tome he was carrying? That dusty old book? What of it? Yeah, what of it? I heard him say it contained the secrets of the Forest of Doom. I think this lad means business. Well, that may be, but book or no book, I've never seen someone come back from that quest. Yeah, never come back. Well, I'll be wishing him luck, and while I'm at it, warn him about the shadows. Color Computer 1, 2, and 3. November 2017. If you dare. Yeah, if you dare. <laughs>
1: Um, all right. Well, I think well, I want to. I want to. You know, we're not going to. We're going to cut this episode short. We're not going to be three or four hours this week. We'll we'll cut it in half. Um, and I think we 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 did all the important stuff. We talked about Tandy Assembly, and Tandy Assembly was awesome. Um, this was the next best thing to be in there. Is this getting together with our kindred spirits and talking about what we love this retro hobby, and uh, it was a good time. Thank you, John Linville, for being here too, and, and for Myro and, and Neil Brookins for stopping by. Some of our founders of the event. Event and think, definitely think. Oh, look at Curtis. Let's, let's zoom in on this. Curtis has got not one, but two Cocoa Talk mugs. He's got the uh, the white and the metal uh, finish. What do you think of the mugs? They're pretty nice, huh, Curtis? Yeah, they are pretty good here. They actually kept my coffee warm throughout the
3: whole show, It's long-winded as you are, so it works pretty good. <laughs>
1: ah shots fired <laughs> shots have been fired <laughs> well deserved i was just gonna say that was on behalf of dave so <laughs> and so yeah i'm wearing my coco talk shark, my uh my gray one i did get the royal blue one because it looked so good i saw that um mark overholzer had one and then grant got one i tell you it was nice it was nice seeing uh coconut and coco talk shirts at the uh at the tandy assembly it was nice seeing uh our little machine represented so so um, at least half of the Cocoa folks there were wearing a Cocoa t-shirt. So that was pretty cool to see. And, uh, and speaking of t-shirts, we have George Phillips here wearing the official Tandy Assembly shirt, which is a fine-looking shirt, too. I'm thinking of keeping mine uh, unwashed and maybe putting it in a frame or something like that because I've got, like, the Cocoa Crew t-shirt I put in a frame. I've got um, John Strong's Bomb. I get the name Bomb Squad. Too many bomb games right now. Um, Yeah, so very cool stuff.
4: There are still shirts available if uh, if you want one. Okay. Probably should contact, um, I guess, either Mike Rowan or Neil Blanchard. Okay. Or contact me and I'll pass you along.
1: There you go. There you go. So the Tandy assembly shirts are available, and it looked like they were in a variety of sizes. So, yeah. um, an interesting little milestone happened to our little um, our little women's talk show, uh, also known as The View. But we um, we reached two thousand <laughs> downloads in in uh, podcast land. We've reached are uh, we're, we're closer to twenty two hundred right now downloads, which is pretty cool for being maybe two two and a half months old in the podcasting arena. So that's a nice little milestone. Um, to Reach you know these nice little numbers here of 2100 some odd downloads. Um, so I want to thank everybody who's been listening to us, and I want to apologize for uh, all of the techno babble that goes on for hours. But uh, there are little tiny nuggets of useful and entertainment uh, pieces of stuff in in you know randomly scattered through this four-hour show. So, <laughs> but that was that was kind of cool. Um, so yeah, it was it was uh, definitely a great event, Tandy Assembly. And so for those of you who are watching, I haven't run any commercial so I'll try to squeeze them all into one commercial right now so if you want to find out about the color computer go to imacoconut.com imacoconut.com for all your color computer needs if you want to get one of these cool t-shirts or coffee mugs or that we've been talking about our retro swag shop is 8bit256.com to find out more about Tandy Assembly you can go to tandyassembly.com to find out more about the Coco Crew podcast you can go to cococrew.org I don't know anything else we need to plug here anybody want to shout anything out before we go and, and um, I almost feel like we need to spend a minute with Nick Morentis Nick we haven't really got a chance to talk to you too much
6: uh, I'm still here can you hear me at all do- yeah we I can, can hear just- you yeah, I just changed my microphone, so I don't know okay. if it works. Uh, well, all I got to say is ease of use. Ease of use. <laughs> I
3: thought you were going to say ease of moving.
6: Yeah, <laughs> that's not easy. No, <laughs> uh, we're still in the process of moving, um, moving house, and uh, the house uh, we're at at the moment is uh, going to be on auction in about two weeks. So, yeah, you know, a lot happening uh, in the next two months. Okay.
1: Yeah, and you got a same. chance
6: to catch some of the live streaming yeah you yeah, know watch some of that and um yeah that was good that was really uh good and uh i like the um the the stream of uh the podcast talk you did uh the one that where you were hosting the um the talk the, that was the round good, table eh? yeah i the thought that was tape. good
0: too yeah i thought that was yeah. good to get uh to get everybody together yeah, um, yeah i want to say something here about uh coco tv because uh uh, nick was on uh one of the featured uh things on there and it was really interesting to see him talk <laughs> this, this, is this the thing on roku yeah I, I i have to figure this thing out i
1: know i know that's floating around i need to reach out and um, um
0: they have a Cocoa <laughs> episode on there now
1: okay so, and who's, so who's, who's doing that taylor so Roger Taylor's son, is he the yeah. one who's doing it? So. Yep. I don't know all the information. I need to find out more. I was, also, I was told about this by one of my friends, too, because he watches a podcast for um, Ham Radio, and he's saying that these guys not only do a podcast, but they also have something on Roku. So I looked into it, and I actually logged in, and I created a, um, uh, I have an account, but as soon as I started looking at what they want as far as the formatting of their feeds and things like that, it was so technically overwhelming. I just did not understand a single thing about it. So I definitely like to pick Roger Taylor's brain to see how he's tapping into that because that'd be kind of cool to be on one of these little streaming set-top boxes you know i mean obviously oh, he, does
0: have a, he does have a coco chalk on there
1: he has has uh, what this show the first one, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need. Well, see, I need to figure out how he's doing that. And now we need to talk about licensing rights, too, because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you also have to find out whether it's possible to live stream to it, because we could be yeah. a live channel on Roku. Yeah, stream, so. yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm already starting to feel... Vi- I feel violated now, and maybe this is what David Ladd feels like. I don't know,
0: so... <laughs> I want to say, though, that uh, Nick was uh, really good when he... Um, Command of I think it was a Coco Fest I watched that might Pen have been Fest, Pen, Pen, Pen Fest 2000? 2000 yeah I think so yeah he did really well All um. right. Neat. <laughs> so yeah I need to
1: see that too. No. Very cool. Very cool. So, oh, so, so Sixty says, if you're gonna, if we're gonna blat- uh, blatantly plug something, we need to plug Dungeons, which is Sixty's latest port to the Coco uh, from a BBC micro game. Yeah, and I am overdue to do a review on that, so hopefully Sixty and I can get together and do that in the near future. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, coconut.com is your, l- your one-stop shop for all your color computer needs, and uh, you can reach all things Cocoa Talk at cocotalk.live. Make sure you send us some feedback uh give us some suggestions for future shows uh give us some new ways we can pick on david Ladd. we're looking forward to all this type of information and um yeah it's been a good show (laughs) (laughs) so for those of us who are still in the call i want to thank you all with ron delvoe and richard lorbieski grant Leedy, john linville simon jonas nick morentis retro innovations jim brain mark overholzer l curtis boyle karen anscombe john t robs david floppy ladd george phillips and john strong and in the live chat we've had nick morota has been here um richard lorbieski gpk uh gp2k00 was here uh who else was in the live chat nick marota i think i said that Fiscap was here paul fiscarelli was in the live chat norlander was in the live chat um fedor stamen stopped by for a minute hey fedor um and so yes so for all of you who are in the live chat we got 16 people watching us now thanks for sticking in here for this whole time uh i think we we were pretty easy on david this time right so his um his uh, his his sirship his night his night is still holding up good from being on the podcast. We got at least probably two more episodes, but we'll be nice to him before we go back to our old ways. Um, uh, unless he unless he appears on another show and continues to elevate his status, and then. <laughs> but yeah, so Sir David Ladd has been with us. Thank you all for being here. And uh, yeah, so what's next? Well, the next thing I guess for us would be Cocoa Fest six months down the road, give or take. Yeah. Another episode of the Coco Crew podcast will be out in uh, November, hopefully. Or has, has October? Have we heard October's cocoa? I'm losing track, dude. Is there a new Coco Talk, uh, Cocoa Crew podcast coming out this
4: month, John Linville? <sighs> Should be later in October.
1: Later in October, okay. Yeah, I'm just the time is flying. Okay, so we do have something else to look forward to this month. We have another Cocoa Crew podcast to look forward to this month. So you know you gotta it's you gotta count these little blessings and these little things that we have to look forward to. So we have another Cocoa Crew to look forward to this month. Um, there'll be more Cocoa talk in the future. I'm hoping to get more content out on my um, my new YouTube channel, the AMA Coconut YouTube channel. And well,
4: uh, we're still hoping for David Ladd to lead the Harvey Weinstein. Expose on the Cocoa World. <laughs> oh,
13: God. Oh. Um, I don't even
0: know what that is. <laughs> we were going to be apolitical, weren't we? It's
4: not politics. That's man. not politics, no. It's That's... sex. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's that drunken bar girl that you guys saw at the
8: assembly ah, there.
1: Right? okay. Yeah, and George, thanks for being here. Uh, hopefully, this wasn't too painful listening to us talk about a, a non-TRS-80 machine. <laughs> I survived. You survived. All right. It's good, and hopefully we have not uh, lost any cred with your other uh, Tris friends, and you know, and think you're switching to the dark side or anything like that. So uh, <laughs> now we just have to do a demo of a network controller with all of those computers combined. Yeah, so um, I think I've mentioned this on this show before, but I'll mention it now because it's a kind of a tie-in for for George being here too. But the next talk show that I want to unveil is going to be a talk show that's going to be called Retro Talk. That'll be on the OG channel. So so um, this, is, this is streaming on my I'm a Coconut YouTube channel, but my original channel that was called the original gamer Stevie Stro, I'm gonna do a talk show there in the near future that'll be called Retro Talk, that'll be a little bit more broad spectrum, so we can talk about the Apple computers and the Atari computers and the Cocoa. And all you guys are welcome. But I'm 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 very impressed and I'm very flattered that we're getting, you know, roughly a thousand views and a thousand downloads a month just on the Cocoa. And so that says a lot, and we're pretty niche and we're pretty obsessed so if there's that much appeal for for this one machine I'm hoping that a, a broader spectrum re- broader spectrum retro show will bring more people on who want to speak and hopefully more people who want to watch too so coming soon uh, to the YouTube channel near you will be another live talk show called retro talk so if you hadn't heard it before you heard it here folks and um, but- quick question on retro
3: talk is that exclusively for old computers or is that for computers and video consoles
1: uh uh, everything console yeah yeah uh, yeah all things retro computers video games arcade machines you name it so um yeah so i'm hoping to i know it's going to start small like everything else but maybe once a week we'll maybe have one one person speak or one topic and we'll kind of take it from there what's mark holding up there mark's got a slide rule that is that a retro computer Okay. All right. Next, we'll bring his abacus out. Okay.
3: That's
0: what took us to the moon.
1: (laughs) Well, it's got to be something you can rely on. You can't, you know, can't go wrong with science. It's not like (laughs) Skype or anything, you know. It says
7: (laughs) beautiful bamboo and Esser. Copyright 1947. Probably from the 50s, be my guess. Wow.
1: Very nice. Very nice. So, yeah, coming soon will be Retro Talk, and then later on that will be followed by um, a show that will be called Gaming Talk, where we'll talk about modern games on the Xbox and PlayStation and PCs, and that will be down the road. I don't want to just start you know four shows at once and have them all be train wrecks. I'm still working on my first train wreck here, which is Coco Talk, so I, I need <laughs> to kind of finally control these train wrecks, and so the next train wreck will be Retro Talk coming soon, and so it might be nice to have, uh, you know, kick that off with something and good uh, just talking about something um, really cool as our kind of inaugural episode so we'll see how that goes and, and you guys are welcome and maybe not David Ladd but the rest of you uh, <laughs> alright guys period is over yeah. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up episode 29 of Coco Talk the Tandy assembly wrap up show thank you everybody for being here thank you everybody who watched and uh, yeah dungeons we got to play dungeons we will get dungeons we'll get a review of dungeons We'll get Karen to talk about dungeons. I do want to I'm still planning to do this. I want I want to have a topic for Coco Talk that's going to be the British invasion. And I'd like to get as many of our UK brethren on that one as, you know, so we can talk about X Roar, we can talk about Dungeons, we can talk about some of Karen's projects. Love to get Steve Bamford, Bosco on here and anybody yeah, Dragon else. Dragon MMC. Yeah, yeah Dragon okay. stuff. So yeah, I do want to do a um, a special episode of Coco Talk that we're going to call the British Invasion and we'll dedicate it to all the UK projects that that are going on. Um, Will there so, be
0: Beatles music?
1: Well, uh, well, it would probably get flagged with the copyright, so maybe we'll get David to sing them for us in that way.
0: Especially if it's Beatles
1: music. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get Curtis to play guitar and David Ladd to sing, and that that might that might that might just get her get her done right there. And your
13: podcast streams go down to zero. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, you get me singing, you're going to be regretting
0: it.
13: <laughs> yeah, well, I have it. a cocoa Samson. fever,
0: and yeah. the only way to fix it. <laughs> and grant
1: Leedy, thanks for your newbie question of the week and we did not uh we we didn't start world me. war three uh, i'm sorry simon what was that i could wear this okay it looks like a little dream what is that? it's kind of oh a kilt okay you could wear that kilt you could you you could wear the kilt and depending on what neighborhood you might get kilt when you wear it. <laughs> well,
13: actually, mix the kilt and Steve's high heels. He was Oh yeah! Oh yeah!
1: Oh man! My my yeah! I'm still in pain from when I did a charity event this morning. I had to walk in high heels. So yeah, yeah. Red good charity event. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a ball anyway. So Steve, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed it, didn't you? <laughs> All right, guys. We're gonna end this misery so um we've we've beat this one to death and we're gonna call it time of death is now uh, two hours and 40 minutes thank you for watching coco talk we will see you guys next week until then stay retro people and bye bye
13: later everyone bye-bye. bye
7: hi this is mark overholzer and you're listening to coco talk the nation's leading weekly live talk show about the tandy color computer
1: gotcha so begin bonus section of Cocoa Talk episode 29 in 3, 2, 1. Okay. So um, this is not live, but we're just recording this. So the question was, when um, uh, when are we going to do Retro Talk? Uh, I don't know. Like, like everything else, there's not an actual plan uh, just yet. i tell you who, who I think would be perfect to kick this off with, and I need to speak to him. And, of course, now I'm having a, a complete brain freeze. So before I say anything, I'm going to look it up on the Internet. Hold on one second. That guy. Maybe. That guy, <laughs> I on. Um, no way, it was the other
3: okay. guy. Okay, Alan Hightower.
1: Okay, so 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 Alan Hightower had that display of the of the Tandy one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand. That was a neat display, and. Um, and uh, I kind of had a handheld camera, and I was looking at the equipment and listening to him. I have to play back that video. I, haven't, I have to download that off of the SD chip that's in the camera. I haven't seen it yet. I'm hoping the audio and video quality is okay. But I was thinking it might be neat to interview him because he said he's the president of the Computer Histori- Historical Museum thing, which is the organization that kind of runs all of the VCEs. So he's got uh, a lot of information that is of, you know, Broad-spectrum retro, um, you know, I think a lot of people would appreciate hearing from that. So I think he would be a good interview, and either either a live or pre-recorded interview, as well as mixing it in with the footage of his display. Um, I think that would be a pretty cool way to kind of kick off the retro talk show, because this is a guy who's like the top of the pyramid of, of major retro... Um, you know, uh, festivals around the world. So hopefully, if we can schedule that and announce that, that might get some people interested in seeing the show. You know, mm-hmm. cool. so he might he might make a good first guess. And if he's not available, you know, well, maybe David Ladd, if his asking price isn't too high, uh, a host of Floppy Talk might be available. So.
7: There's one thing. Go ahead. Oh, there is a podcast called the Retro Computing Roundtable, which has. Uh-huh. Uh, You know, anywhere from two to uh, seven people from various backgrounds, including the Apple, Commodore.
1: uh, Yeah, I follow their Facebook group, but I haven't listened to the show yet, so I might start listening to the show. I, I have found that listening to Antic... Um, listening to some of those interviews and listening to floppy days again, it doesn't like I don't there's nothing there that I say I want to emulate. But yeah. even the even the Coco crew, it's like I'm not trying to we're not trying to steal or copy from the show. But it's just like with Tandy Assembly, you see what you like and what you don't like and you kind of do your version of those. So I think it's good to maybe hear other shows and know what's being discussed too, um, to to kind of help you know give you some ideas or inspiration and and the last thing I want to do is just to be a carbon copy of anything else you know Um, the nice thing I like about this show is the very fluid dynamic free flow of it which is can be good and bad so (laughs) I'm I'm thinking to start Retro Talk we might want to start it with just one topic or one guest as the primary focus and let that person be the main segment and then we kind of wrap that around with just different conversations of a panel and the audience and kind of see where goes from there and you know maybe even it starts off as being an hour show and uh, like everything else it, everything kind of evolves you know so you just don't know where it's going to go but I, I, I naively will assume that this will probably do a little bit better with its numbers once it takes off because it's more people are interested in general retro things
0: mm-hmm. hey I was uh, wondering if maybe we should um, try to push some of the projects that are for sale as a commercial like um you know, the S D C card, uh, mm-hmm. GA stuff, um maybe yeah. like, uh, games yeah. software you know that's that that's been
1: in the back of my mind for a while like speaking of inspiration you know Mike is a great source of inspiration of his just commercials say mm-hmm. so I have ideas for commercials that I would like to do I'll, I'll never be on that level but you know one of the first commercials I idea I want to do a commercial for X-roar which is still in the back of my mind that I want to do and I want to kind of do it like one of these Sunday monster truck shows like X-roar X-roar the greatest emulator ever made for the color computer type thing you know saying eh, an annoying over the top kind of thing um so I, I kind of want to do some of those myself, but I think also if anybody else, want, like, either the, who, the project owner wants to make their own commercial, they could. Or if we have, like, somebody like Bruce Moore with his things he's made, you know, anybody who wants to um, chip in on, on uh, community-created commercials, that would be great. It makes the show I, I was going
3: to suggest you can get Myra to help with that, too, because then they can make a dual version of it. They can make an audio one that they can use in their podcast, and we can have the video version of
0: it on Yeah, air. yeah, yeah. The other thing is um, like if uh, somebody did a, um, you know, like uh, Rainbowhead one-liners and have it available so you could download it, you know, or um, something like that and then have, you know, reference to in the show where to get um, any software. Like even the um, archive is never mentioned really. And maybe that would be something good if somebody got a new machine maybe a, a a newbie guide or something to, to where um uh, here's what you want to get you know uh or maybe even if we had a a video done that was sponsored by Cocoa talk that had everything you want to know when you first get your cocoa and where to get stuff i don't know yeah that's a good yeah, idea I, yeah i had actually thought of that too i was going to mention that to you steve about doing a
3: coco archive pick of the week type thing where you could just pick one piece of software or a manual or something that you think is of great interest or, or to yourself or to somebody else or or you think would be good for the community as a whole and just kind of just spotlight it
0: yeah and if it if it's a game uh, and you did a review of it show the review yeah 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 or parts of it
1: no these are great ideas um and of course, I'm going to forget all of them. So maybe we need to find a way to capture these <laughs> well, and put them this somewhere. You have right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah.
3: not that he'll ever watch it again. But yeah.
1: yeah. Um, no, that's a that's a really good idea. Uh, so there's, it's, you know, there's things that I, I, on the new color computer YouTube channel. There's like just there's this videos that I want to do there that I never would have thought of doing before too. So things so, that
8: uh,
0: hey, hey does Coco Talk have a, I know it has a list of all the videos, but um is it possible to maybe make a um area for um to pick up on a download or you know to download what was in the show or or like links a, in the show notes you mean or what do you Yeah or something maybe you know so like if there was a software piece we talked about
1: yeah i try to do that i try to do that in the descriptions of the videos um so so yeah so yeah what i do and mark overholzer has been doing this i'm not sure if he's done it recently but he's been kind of going through and time stamping um the videos creating these little links where if you want to jump to a section it will tell you what time it is within the That's video and, and youtube makes that a link where it'll jump straight to that um i have been and mark has been adding links to whatever was discussed in the show too and so that that first ends up in the youtube video description and then when i copy and paste everything over to the podcast version all those links carry over there too so
12: man
0: thanks uh, for all your work like that man you you put a lot of time in Time, time
1: is something that we never seem to have enough of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> also,
3: I was going to suggest for your your retro one there too, if you guys are going to do a game spotlight, was something I've always wanted to do, and obviously I've never done. Is if you pick, you know, a game like Zaxxon or something like that, and then you can actually have it played, and you can have guests from the different platforms, like your Commodore user, Atari user, Terracity City Model One, Three, etc., and you can actually have a, like a live comparison, have each person play it on their platform, show the screen. So that you have somebody who's experienced with it, and, and you know you could show as much of the game as you can, and have a comparative review type thing.
1: Yeah, that would be neat. Yeah, I think the sky, i think the sky's the limit. And like everything else, once we start doing it, I think these things will start to happen too. A lot of things we're doing now we didn't plan on, like we didn't plan on Ron's Garage or, or anything else. Um, so these things just—they—they they kind of organically
0: do take shape over time, which is one of the nice things about this. Um, I'm going to try and use um, uh, a webcam when I'm showing stuff because it's very difficult to orient where to put the camera when it's on the laptop, you know? Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt.
6: Yeah, I thought you were using your phone or something.
1: Very, very cool.
13: Yeah, as far as webcams, um, I've got a whole bunch of older webcams, like like six different generations of Logitech and um, an old Microsoft and yeah, none of them work with Windows 10 so Uh I had to actually acquire a new model webcam.
8: So.
3: And then you probably came on the show and didn't use it. Good going. (laughs)
13: No, I only use it for like when (laughs) I was showing those circuit boards or stuff. Yeah. I don't have the bandwidth for shooting out video anyway normally so
1: that's true right I think there's definitely a great sense of community spirit uh, across most of these retro platforms so hopefully we can get more people involved Um, you know
0: know it is uh, when you have uh, different people uh, promote the show that's pretty neat yeah yeah sure
1: Hmm. Very, very, very cool. So,
12: so when do we start uh, doing Cocoa Fest stuff now?
1: As far as what talking about Cocoa Fest on the show?
12: Yeah, do they even? When do they start putting up their speakers and and stuff like that? Does that usually happen like in February?
1: I don't know. I don't know if there's an official time for that. You can always go to the Glenside site and, and see. I'm sure they've uh, they've already announced the date, so on the Glenside site right now, you're going to know what the date is for Cocoa Fest, but as far as anything else, I'm not too that sure. That
11: is usually very close to the show.
1: Yeah. I'd like to design a logo for it or whatever. I don't yeah. know who i talk to. Another button. I mean, John Linville's probably a good enough place to start as any. He's kind of you know connected to all these different things. Is he? Yeah. Okay
0: how about that pedraza guy
1: tony pedraza is the president yeah so oh, but okay. uh but honestly as far as you know john limo's probably a better good place to start because he's uh, you know a little bit more hands-on with some of these things okay. so um you never know but yeah if, if you can yeah, tony's reachable i think through facebook and everything else too all
13: yeah. right according to the website they still have all the information from the 2017 so okay.
1: from this year yeah, yeah i mean yeah, so, so. like
13: the vendors and who is going to be attending in the events so
1: yeah yeah i'm still i'm still going to try to attend every Cocoa fest i can um i hope i hope it doesn't decline i, I think that was one of the concerns Is will tandy Assembly distract from that i don't think it distracted from it it's a you know it's a different location it's a different time of year there's definitely more non cocoa people there um mm-hmm. I think a few people came to Tandy Assembly just because the time of year was better for them. There was a few people that said I couldn't make anything in April, but October worked better for my schedule. So, um, Actually, I was going to be... ask on
3: Tandy Assembly, what was the mix? Like, what percent Cocoa versus Tandy?
1: Mm, I, Tandy? Would say, I would say it's probably like 80-20, something like that, or 70-30 um, on the TRS-80 side. Okay. It was a big TRS-80 crowd, yeah. Or, you know, that's just a ballpark there. But, yeah. It it was actually nice to see a lot of people from Glenside there. Um, So John Mark Mobley was there. Brian Goers was there. Um, Richard Chrislip was there. So there was at least three people from from the Glenside Club that I can still remember off the top of my head that were there. Um, So it was nice for them to be there and see the event and kind of support it. Uh, And I think that kind of shows that... You know, hopefully there's no bad blood between doing these different festivals because they seem to be enjoying themselves and being there and stuff too. So,
3: I'm sure they'll have a write up on it too in the newsletter.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. I would like to see them adopt some of these things, like being able to take PayPal's for the auction and, and
3: yeah, credit card readers and stuff. would be Pre really
1: pre register, you know, prepay so you don't have to to wait in line. Just little simple things like that. That uh, I know they've been suggested and they just you got to hope that they they're going to want to implement that kind of stuff.
0: Okay guys, see you later.
1: All right Ron, thanks for the uh thanks for see the tour. Right, Ron, right. Once
0: again. All right, have a good day.
1: All right guys. All right. I guess we'll go. I think we've got enough post show discussion but yeah i mean right now i still want to focus like my baby is coco talk and and doing coco talk as the youtube show is the first priority podcast you know is uh it's still good to have but i don't want to lose focus on this show first um but i do think the show can organically evolve into like a sister show um and you know kind of take it from there and I always encourage all these different ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate everybody's support with this and participating and stuff.
12: It makes it what yeah. it is, you know?
3: And yeah, and this, uh, by the end of this week, I should finally have some time to getting back into Cocoa stuff, too. So.
12: And you're going to Cocoa Fest, too, right, Curtis?
3: Yeah, I should be able to go to Cocoa Fest.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping we can get Michael Brandt to... Um, finagle his schedule because it was nice to get him out I don't think he's been to one before um, and then now our, our only decision then becomes do we drive both ways or maybe we fly in and drive home that way if we're going to buy something we can just drive it back I'm almost thinking that makes more sense because the drive in I was already exhausted by the time I got there you know so um, you know maybe fly in and get the rental car there in Chicago but set up the rental car to where I drive it back to Florida type of thing you know
3: yeah just fly there and then you know rent the uh, yeah. semi trailer truck to haul all your stuff back yeah uh, fly
1: in drive home <laughs> right so that might be the way to go
12: yeah you need to get your CD your CDC license there
1: <laughs> yeah chauffeur <laughs> uh, commercial chauffeur's driver's license huh yeah there we go oh, Mark
3: or self driving car that's the other one
1: yeah that oh my god how how nice that would have been right so
12: how how long is the drive to chicago for you steve
1: i have no idea i haven't looked it up and whatever google says google lies because google said that uh <laughs> ohio was only 12 hours you lied to me google so uh i'm gonna add four hours to whatever the estimated time is <laughs> so i know it's 21 hours
3: for me from here for chicago so that's yeah, hardcore and and add more to get to Chillicothe, which is probably why I, I will make it. Well, plus I'm still a little bit busy at that time. Right.
1: well, when you know when you get your raise from all these shows that you're on, you can afford to fly first class, so. <laughs> private jet your way down here. So uh, I might be able to afford to fly a drone.
12: Can, can you fly? Go fly from from a kite, at, <laughs> What's that? Can you fly from where you're at, or do you have? Is there not a major airport there? for oh, you? No, there's a
3: major. There's an international airport here. I can fly. <laughs> As long as the dog sleds aren't, you know, blocking the runway, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, but guys. I'm going to Probably sign easier
13: off. for them to use the yeah. the driving since I don't think they're as picky about wanting to copy your phone contents as as if you. Yeah, customs the... is,
3: is more of a pain in the ass for the airport, unfortunately. But mm. plus, like you, I, I I tend to buy stuff and you know I need the room to come yeah. back because they charge for luggage for every single piece now. So
1: yeah, yeah.
3: It's my, my you. You're saving shipping going to the show. I'm paying thirty bucks to haul one suitcase across. Yeah. So it, I'm not saving anything.
12: Yeah. yeah. And plus shipping back to Canada is not uh, inexpensive. Not
1: cheap, and, yeah. no. All right, guys. I'm gonna sign off. Thanks for be, thanks for being here again. And right. we'll talk later, to you guys Steve. later. Take care.
0: Bye, Steve. Uh, bye. bye, Steve. bye. <laughs> Take care. Well before,